And we are on air. It is Monday night, October the 24th, and it is time for our NASCAR race review and Hot Topic Sound Off. Tonight we're reviewing the races at Homestead Miami Speedway, uh, playoff races uh, all the way around from the Truck Series to the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. The truck race is an elimination race. So uh, we now know who the final four are going to be to contend for that championship in the NASCAR Truck Series at Phoenix Raceway in a couple of weeks. So joining me shortly is our co-host for tonight, Sal Segala. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you the rundown for the agenda here tonight. We're going to start in the first half hour with some short track news and include an update from the ARCA West Series. They did not race this past weekend, but they will be back on track at Phoenix. <clears throat> Excuse me. Next, we'll have the NASCAR Truck Series Elimination Race at Homestead Review. And at 9 o'clock, we have the media interview with the NASCAR Truck Series winner, Ty Majeski. He's the driver of the number 66 Thor Sport Racing Toyota. Afterward, we will review the Xfinity Series playoff race at Homestead. That's during our second half hour starting at 9 o'clock. At 9.30, we close the segment by reviewing the NASCAR Cup Series playoff race at Homestead Miami Speedway. And at 9.45, we will start our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off conversation with the Fan for Racing crew. So uh, a big night here on Fan for Racing Radio. Uh, I'll go ahead and get started with our latest short track news. And there's a lot going on in the short track world. Uh, let's start with the redemption for DJ Shaw at Seekonk. Uh, Seek Unk with a win that clinched his championship. DJ Shaw added the family name to the ACT title after winning that season finale at the Haunted 100 at Seekonk Speedway in Maryland. Shaw's third win allowed him to claim the title after 10 top five finishes and all of his results in the top 10 this season. Now, DJ's dad finished fifth in the 1986 ACT Tour points after 19 top tens in 27 starts. He was 300 points behind champion Robbie Crouch that same year. So a big win for DJ Shaw this weekend, and uh, we congratulate him on that victory. Also, Carson Quapple pocketed his fourth win of the season at South Boston Speedway out in Virginia. That was on Saturday. He clinched the Cars Tour Late Model Stock Car Championship, and the victory broke his tie with Connor Hall, who also has three wins coming into South Boston. The jaw-dropping number for Quapple is his 12 top five runs this season. On the pro late model side, it was William Sawalich, uh who who uh, won his sixth for his sixth time this season. His victory came at South Boston and keeps him near the top in points. But having missed two races, his uh, chances at getting the title might be out of reach for the finale in two weeks. Luke Dunhouse, on the other hand, uh, was a solid second and he was able to keep that series points lead. Uh, 
Okay. Also, and Sal will probably know about this, uh, Jeremy Doss County Raceway. Uh, Jeremy Doss scored his second win of the season in the SRL Southwest Tour at Kern County Raceway Park. This is his 11th career win, and he's been inside the top six in every race that he's won this season. Doss is in an epic battle with Jacob Gomes, who was fourth this past weekend, and they will settle the battle at Irwindale Speedway in California on November the 12th. And with that, let me welcome Sal Sagala back to the radio show as our co-host. Welcome back, Sal. Oh, thank you, Sharon. What did you think of that uh, win by Jeremy Doss this weekend? Yeah, it was a a very dominating win. Actually, they moved um, Jacob Gomes up into the third spot. Because the second, the third place car, Vandy Allen was got DQ'd in Tech, so Jacob oh, goes into okay. the third spot and gets the third third spot points for that for that race. Wow, that's fantastic! Not so much for the guys yeah, who got so, disqualified, but very good for Jacob Gomes. Yeah, it keeps them. It keeps a good. Uh, we're gonna have a good um, championship battle. Come. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Come uh, November 12th when the series comes back to uh, Irwindale to, uh, Speedway. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be uh, really fun. I can't wait to hear what happens there. Now, the Florida's Governor Cup 200 at New Smyrna Speedway uh, will not be run this season for the first time since 1980. The reason for that is uh, the track damage that occurred from Hurricane Ian, uh, but expect the track to be back in 2023 with the Red Eye 50-50 event. So uh, too much damage at uh, New Smyrna for them to run the Governor's Cup this year. Uh, also, after actually, three... Go ahead, Jay. Uh, actually, Sal. on that, Sharon, there's, it's more political. It has nothing to do with the track being... Um, we were just, I was just talking with Matt Weaver about that today, as a matter of fact. We were going hmm. back and forth on it talking, but it's it's more political than what it is. Uh, what it is damaged. So basically, okay, politically, but, it's damaged. But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they're not going to run it. They're they're going to try and regroup to see what happens next next year because of the the um, that national series that that they're gonna that they're gonna they're trying to implement and get going. So, um, anyways, there's yeah, there's there's a lot of politics involved in why New Smyrna didn't is running the Governor's Cup, and um, so hopefully. They'll get everything ironed out by next year. Well, that's, that sounds like the intent anyway. After a string yeah. of three straight smart tour podium finishes, Brandon Ward was able to uh, get that win at Motor Mile Speedway in Virginia. Ward won that event at the Motor Mile in the last year, so that win this weekend made it two straight at the track. Also, Caleb Heavy used a win and solid finishes all season long to win the championship. So uh, a lot going on there for the Smart Tour uh, finishes this weekend as well. Okay. um, Let's go ahead and move over to the uh, flow racing news. Uh, Hetty Baldwin locked up the Smart Modifieds championship at uh, Motor Mile Speedway. 
so that was cool. Yeah, it was. Um, <clears throat> actually, it's getting there right now. Okay. I'm oh, okay. Also, Labonte, LaJoy, and Newman are joining NASCAR mo- NASCAR's Modified Stars at Martinsville. That's coming up this weekend, so that's going to be very cool to see, too. Uh, Labonte, LaJoy, and Newman all racing in that NASCAR Modified Tour race at Martinsville. And actually, that's where they got their start before yes, coming to NASCAR. Martin, um, Brian Newman got his start in modified, and so did um, so did uh, uh, Randy LaJoy got his start in modified. So it's going to be neat to see them come back Absolutely. to go back from their roots. Well, what are your thoughts about Tony Stewart making his NHRA de- debut at the Las Vegas Strip in a top uh, alcohol dragster? Well, it's good. It's good for the for the for the top alcohol class because I'm sure there's going to be more hype. There'll be more cameras on on that on that uh, division since that division isn't really one of the most popular ones. Everybody wants to see fuel, but with Tony Stewart making his start, um, he's gonna he's gonna draw. Uh, he'll 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 draw a lot of um, he'll draw a lot of. Uh, Fans and of course TV covers because everybody wants to see. They want to see how he does. Right, everybody wants to see uh, what Stuart Haas does does with his racing debut. He'll be racing for McPhillips Racing in the NHRA Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series. Uh, that's a father-son team of Rich McPhillips and his son Rich Jr. They, I guess they've had quite a bit of success in that series. Yeah, they have. They're they're uh, one of the more more popular teams, and and uh, decided to hook up with Tony. You know, Tony brings the money, and and uh, they bring the you know the cars, so it, it makes for a good um makes for a really good uh, fit for you know for the both of them. Yes, it does. I for a lot of different reasons. So uh, that is definitely very cool. Uh, real quick, Sal, I wanted to make sure we talked about the ARCA West Series as well. They're not racing this weekend. Their last race was at the Bull Ring uh, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, but their next race will be at Phoenix Raceway. That's the season finale for the title on Friday, November the 4th, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Flow Racing. It will be live-streamed. It will also be on the radio MRN and Sirius XM, channel 391 and channel 981, as well as the ARCARacing.com website. Yeah, it's um, actually uh, Jake Drew already wrapped it. He just has to show up to the track on on, on Friday night over at, uh, at Phoenix in, um, in two weeks. Yeah, North uh, Phoenix. Yeah, he just has to show he up, it up in the morning. Yeah, he's has to he's has to get in the car. That's it, and he's he's the champion. So that that's already locked up. And then I think uh, Tyler, Tyler, not Tyler, but his teammate Tanner Rife has the um, has the rookie of the year already uh, sewed up too. Very cool. Still want to watch the race though. <laughs> oh yeah, it's still going to be a good race because you're going to get you're going to get some uh, probably get a few Cub drivers out there. You're going to get some guys from the East coming out here because they want to they want to race on the on the big one mile track. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, David Gillen and Racing is going to have a couple of entries out there. 
So um, it's it's going to be it's going to be an exciting race to watch. I mean, that's definitely something you want to you want to watch. Yeah, Tanner Rice and uh, Cole Moore are just one point apart <coughs> in second and third, uh, and then just uh, what is it? Nine points back is Todd Souza. So yeah, but for for the rookie of the year, yeah, yeah, but for the rookie of the year, this is Cole's second year, so so that's the Tanner's the highest. I got it. <laughs> yeah, he's the highest rookie out there right now. So. Right, right, and even if he comes in third, he's still the highest rookie. Yeah. Right. So, so uh, it that would be the battle to watch, I think, uh, going into Homestead. I'm sorry, going into Phoenix in a couple weeks here. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be neat for Bob Riccati to get the. Since this is last season, he's he's hanging up the. He's hanging up the. Um, that uh, he's passing the um, the owner's hat, the team the, the team over to uh, over to Tim Huddleston. So I think it's going to oh, be neat okay. to see him go out with the with the championship and also a uh, and also the uh, that, rookie of the year. Yeah, he'll he'll get both <clears> of those <throat> titles. So that is very yeah, cool. Yeah. So next year, yeah, next year will be it'll be High Point Racing. Tim's going to use his banner on that for High Point Racing, buddy. What he runs his team over right now, so. Uh, Is he going to um, change it's, it's the team, teams over to something more? Uh, oh yeah, he's going to use more to high point. His blue, the, yeah, he's going to use the high point blue. Okay. He's going to change except for except for the except for the teams because all all the teams. He already told me who his drivers are, but I'll, I'll we'll, we'll, we can get into that at a later show. But he's already got two. I think he's already got two drivers signed. He's going to try to run three cars. Oh, okay, um, three season. cars. So it's, going to, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, he's to so run three we'll cars. probably have some. We'll have some good off-season news coming out of that. <clears throat> we'll have to have Tim back and kind of talk a little bit about that, maybe. So. Yeah, we'll have that, and then plus, uh, Bill McAnally should be making a. Bill McAnally races should be making a. A. Uh, Announcement about about what's going on with his team too. Okay, okay, sounds good. We haven't talked to Bill McAnally in a while. It'll be good to have yeah, him on. Yeah, it's been a long too. time. <laughs> it has been. Uh, I know my schedule has been crazy busy, and I'm sure yours has been too. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and get into the NASCAR Truck Series. Uh, they raced at their elimination race uh, this week at uh, Homestead Miami Speedway. So uh, four drivers made it in, four drivers were eliminated, and uh, I'm pulling up the stats here. Now, we know Ty Majeski won the race. Uh, give me a minute here. I'm going to pull up the stats here. Um so Ty Majeski won the race. That was his second race that he won, I think, in the last three races that they've run. So uh, Ty Majeski is really peaking at a very, very good time in the truck series. That's for sure. <coughs> oh, yes, he is. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody expected this out of him. You know, exactly. With, you know, but, um, you know. It's uh, a- 
26th Annual Baptist Health 200 at the age of 28, driving the number 66 Road Ranger Toyota for Duke Thorson and Crew Chief Joe Shear Jr., Ty Majeski earned his second victory in 42 Camping World Truck Series starts. It's his second victory and 15th top 10 finish in 2022, and his first victory and second top 10 finish in two races at Homestead Miami Speedway. Uh, Zane Smith finished second. He posted his first top 10 finish in two races at Homestead and his 18th top 10 finish this season. It was Stuart Friesen finishing third, posting his third top 10 finish in six races at Homestead. And Corey Heim, who finished fifth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Now, this race uh, was uh, a big race for Ty. Uh, Ty, uh, the real race was actually in the closing laps between Stuart Friesen and the number 99 of Ben Rhodes as they battled over the playoff spot heading into the finale at Phoenix Raceway. Friesen finished third, but Rhodes won stage one and finished sixth, giving him a one point advantage over Friesen. Uh, Ty Majeski, we know, won his second race of the season. Zane Smith, who won stage two, finished second. Uh, Rhodes and Chandler Smith will all race for the championship at Phoenix. So it's the two Smiths, Zane and Chandler, as well as Ben Rhodes and Ty Majeski. The number 17 of Ryan Priest won the pole. He started from the rear because of unapproved adjustments and then rallied and finished fourth. We mentioned earlier Corey Heim finished fifth. Rhodes was sixth, followed by Christian Eckes, Matt Crafton, Parker Kligerman, and the 18 of uh, Chandler Smith closing out the top ten. There were eight lead changes among five drivers, two cautions for ten yellow flag laps. Your thoughts about those uh, top ten, Sal? Yeah, it was neat to see, you know, most of, you know, minus two drivers, you know, that were actually in the chase in the playoffs, you know, in, in the top ten. You know, of course, John Henry, John Henry Nemechek went out, you know, with uh, with some like six or seven laps left. Everybody thought he he would be the yeah. – actually, he was the, the pre – he was the favorite to win the whole thing, you know. But, um, you know, see Tom Chesky, you know, get a second win was really neat. Thing Smith is still hanging in there tough. Um, you know, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good race over in um, in Phoenix for the you know for the championship you know between Zane you know Ty um, uh, Chandler and um, oh, man. Ben Rhodes yeah Ben Rhodes for the championship so it's going to be a good uh, be a good race yeah, you know, the, those... coming out on top. Those drivers that didn't make it into the uh, playoffs were Stuart Friesen, um, Christian Eckes, Grant Infinger, and John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, they are the four that are, are not going to be in that uh, title contention next week. Uh, or, I'm sorry, in two weeks. They'll not be racing next week either, but uh, Ben Rhodes uh, won that first stage, and then it was the number 38 of Zane Smith who won the second stage. The margin of victory, they don't really have it here, so I can't give you that. 
but um, it was an exciting race. Uh, there was one car. Spencer Boyd did not uh, finish the race. Uh, I'm not sure what his issue was. It's not listed here. Uh, and then all the rest of the cars, uh, <coughs> there were some that finished a la- uh, lap or two down. Out of 134 laps, only 10 drivers finished all 134 laps. The rest of the drivers were a lap or more down. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, like I said, it's going to be a good race. When Phoenix comes around, you know, it's going to be exciting. Just one of these drivers, you know, can um, one of these forces they reset. They all reset at the same points. There are no points. There are no bonus points. There are no. Everything's out the door. It's just whoever the highest finisher is the the champion. So. Yep. The reset uh, driver <coughs> points. Yeah, the driver points is a time Jeski is first. He's got the two wins, so he's already locked in. Well, of course, so is Zane Smith in second. Chandler Smith in third and Ben Rhodes in fourth are all locked in. And then from there, of course, we know the Stuart Friesen, Christian Eckes, Grant Enfinger, and John Hunter Nemechek, who is the early season favorite, did not make the chase. So that's going to be – got to wonder what's going on. What John Hunter Nemechek is feeling, you know, after not making, you know, being the – Oh, I'm sure he's disappointed. You know, sec- sec- the second year, you know. Um, yeah, he ended up way he, out of it. And, and, and Grant Infinger, next too. season. Yeah, Grant Infinger. But I, I kind of expected more of um, John Hunter Nemechek to be in there. But like I said, you know, I don't, I don't think, besides Ty Majeski, he's probably the only one that figured he would make it in. But, you know, with all the other, you know, experienced drivers, you know what, um, you know, you just got to congratulate Ty Majeski, you know, for stepping it up. You know what, it really counts. Absolutely. Uh, the the points all reset for the championship four race at Phoenix. They all start with 4,000 points. So whichever driver of those four finishes the highest, doesn't have to be a win. Whoever finishes the highest will win the championship. Any predictions on your part, Jay, Sal? I don't know. I gotta. I, I still got to kind of give it to Zane. I, I think Zane is probably the toughest. I think he's the more experienced. I know. I know Ty is Majeski has a has a lot of momentum going in, but I just think I think Chandler Smith is going to do something stupid and he's going to knock him. He's going to knock himself <laughs> out like he like he normally does. And uh, I just I don't know. I just think that that this is going to. I think this is Ink Smith's year. He's uh he's he's been consistent. Mm-hmm. And it seems like consistency is what's going to win the championship this year. So I, I don't want to have to put on Dane Smith. Well, I, I applaud you for uh, supporting your California driver. Uh, Ty Majeski's from the Midwest here is, is Ben Rhodes. Chandler Smith, I'm not sure where Chandler comes from. Do you know where his uh, background? Yeah, who, who cares? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> He's from out there somewhere. He's from back east. Okay. Okay. He's one of those back east well, boys, so. I think it's going to be ben, ben uh, exciting is, to watch. Ben Rhodes is, 
He's another one. It's not really been his year. Pardon me? Yeah, but Ben knows how to win the big races when they count. Yeah, that is true. It doesn't have to be uh, his year. He just he just knows when to. He just has that knack for stepping it up when it when it really counts, you know. And uh, you know, I, I think that's what hurts the other drivers. I know, especially after watching what Chandler Smith did at the. Uh, Gosh, I forget what race it was. The Berlin race. Was it Berlin or the last race? He, um, him and uh, Jake Finch, you know, kind of bumped. You know, he got mad. Are and you went talking about in the Arca series? Crew. Yeah, not Finch. It was, uh, it was Jake. Uh, Garcia. Oh, gosh. Gar- Jake Garcia, there you go. You know, and. Um, yeah. That's the only Chandler knows how to win. I'm sorry, but. After what happened at the Derby with last year with him and Derek Thorne, you know, he couldn't even race him for the win. You know, he had to dump him. Yeah, he lost a lot of credibility no. with that. So we'll see oh, yeah. See what can happen if he can. Uh, sometimes that all boils down to maturity. Uh, so as he matures, we've seen a lot of drivers do that and then finally realize that's not really the best way to go about winning races. Uh, you, you don't win friends and influence people with those kind of moves. But he really hasn't done that much. I mean, yeah, he's won some races, but I don't know. It's, I, I just think it's going to be insane. Ben Rose is, is really going to be – I think Ben Rose is going to be a sleeper. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, those are two really good predictions. Uh, I think Ty Majeski has some momentum on his side, but you're right. Uh, it's his first time in the uh, in in the uh, race for the championship, so we'll see uh, if he's able to handle the pressure. Okay, let's go ahead and um, uh, talk about what's coming up next here. We do have some audio uh, after Ty Majeski won uh, at uh, Homestead Miami Speedway on uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, the media did an interview with him in the media center there at Homestead. And uh, actually, uh, the whole interview, Sal, is 8 minutes, 23 seconds. So I thought we could play the whole interview here, and then you and I can talk about it on the other side. All right, that's fine. Okay, here we go. Here at Homestead Miami Speedway, Time Majeski, driver of the number 66 Thor Sport Racing Toyota. We'll go right into questions for Ty. Start with Steve. Steve Post Motor Racing Network. Ty, you had actually told us in a pre race about super late model and I think somewhere during the conversation on the expert, someone talked about Pensacola. Um, how did the track compare? Was it what you hoped for, obviously the performance was good, but how did the track, the old worn-out factor, compare to, to what you might be used to? Yeah, it's incredibly low grip. Uh, my spotter, Brandon Lyons, we, we go way back. We used to, he used to spot for Harrison Burton uh, back in uh, probably like uh, 2014-ish to like 2017 or 18, and uh, we had a lot of battles um, over the course of our careers, um, and uh you know, we, we spent a lot of time racing at Pensacola, of course, for the Snowball Derby, and uh, he kept telling me, just like Pensacola, smooth and straight, um, you know, th- this place, a lot like Pensacola, is just 
you know, no grip, very coarse. Uh, we're down here close to the beach. There's sand in the air. It weathers away. You know, all the all the pieces of asphalt and the and the rocks are the stones are left, and it it wears the tires. So uh, you've got to be mindful of that. You know, if you push too hard in the beginning, you're going to pay the price late in a run, and um, that's the mentality you have to have while racing a, a super at Pensacola. And um, a lot of that correlates here in these trucks. So um, thankfully, the truck was good enough. I, I didn't have to manage too too much. Um, I tried to do a little bit there. I know the first, you know, five laps are very important, and um, I gave up a little bit after the first stage, dropped back. I think I restarted um, fourth or fifth and um, just kind of settled in, in, in line there, and um, those guys were racing pretty hard, and then five laps later it was it was going to the front. So, um, you know, just pretty cool to, you know, have that relationship with Brandon, um, our, our history, and uh, we used to, like I said, we used to feud. Uh, we used to get into it with each other and stuff, so kind of cool to come full circle. He's fine for me to have a good job. Next we'll go to Dalton Hopkins in the center. Hi, Dalton Hopkins with com, uh, and i got to follow up after this. Did, were you aware of how close it was between Ben Rhodes, your teammate, and Stuart Friesen for the cutoff point, and did you know just, I mean, were you were you being told that at all, or were you just focused up at the front? No, uh, I, had, I had no idea what the what the point situation was. I knew it had to be close. I knew the 99 had a good first stage. The 52 had a good second stage. So um, I knew it was close. I wasn't quite aware of you know what the points position were. Um, you know, you know, leading the race, we're, you know, that's our focus is just trying to stay ahead of the 38, uh, giving me gaps out back to try and try and maintain that gap without um, abusing the tires in case of a late race caution. And also Ben said after the race that he should be borrowing notes from you for Phoenix. He feels like that you're more of a favorite for that race. Do you feel the same way? Uh, you know, it's a new race, right? I feel like we certainly have momentum on our side, winning two of the last uh, three here um, on, on different types of racetracks, you know, short track at Bristol and then, um, you know, a, a, mile, a low grip mile and a half like Homestead, two very different racetracks. I feel like um, just generally speaking, Joe and I have been really clicking really well. Uh, the back half of this season. Uh, we had good finishes early on in the year, but we've been able to consistently put whole races together uh, throughout this back half of the year. So um, I can't really say who the favorite is and who isn't, but uh, regardless, I, I really like my chances on Phoenix. Jerry Jordan. Jerry Jordan, Kingston, You're out there, you're leading. You've got Zane behind you. you know, this is in, but he, he wanted to win, obviously. Uh, for you, what's it like to be the sport in, in, in this race that, that set things up for Phoenix? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I guess the spoiler from the standpoint, none of the cutoff guys won, right? But I feel like, um, you know, we've been, you know, one of the four strongest trucks throughout the back half of this season. Um, you know, like I said, I feel really good about where our team's at. Um, you know, we, we put a full-fledged effort in for, for this race, um, but our focus has, has really been on Phoenix since we won Bristol. So um, to come all year with a strong effort like this, became pretty aggressive uh, from, a, from a package perspective, hoping to learn for next year on, on these types of racetracks. And um, I feel pretty good about where our package is at, and I uh, just need to fine-tune a little bit more and, uh, and keep building on it. Dave Moody from MRN and Sirius XM. Can you speak, is there a tangible value to, by the time you go to Phoenix, being undefeated in the truck series for a month? Is there, is there a tangible edge to that, or is it just feel good? 
I don't know. It's uh, it obviously feels good, right? It's there's a you know we didn't have a great Talladega whatsoever. Um, you know we we're you know in a position leading early on in the race, and I felt like guys were just too aggressive and um, fell to the back on purpose, and then never really could go anywhere. Uh, just to, I think the package that uh, the engine package and the restrictor plate. Um, it's hard to form runs at Talladega now, and so we want to get our, our, our momentum back going into Phoenix. I, I feel like, you know, like I said before, um, you know, our team has been really strong the back half of this season, and um, we really want to come here with a good run, um, you know, build to Phoenix and, and carry that momentum. And, um, you know, I wasn't, you know, didn't know we were going to win today. I thought we were decent practice, um, but that first run we fired off and just – um, you know, hauling through the field. I, I knew we had a good chance at if we get up front. Any additional questions for Tex? Okay, come up, Bob. I'm Bob Parker, Fox Sports. I have a couple. The first, do you wish the championship race was tomorrow? I don't know. Um, I want more time to massage on our Phoenix truck. Uh, you know, like I said, we've been working on it, you know, since Bristol. Um, obviously, the momentum is great, uh, but we want we want some time to massage on it. We feel like we've had an advantage knowing that, you know, we're going to Phoenix for about a month now. So um, we've been massaging on that truck. Like I said, we put, a, you know, obviously a full effort into this one, but um, I've been to the simulator, um, you know, three times this year before um, the back half of this season just for the three road courses. I've already been there three times just for Phoenix, so I haven't personally done any simulator um, at Homestead, so our focus has been on Phoenix, and um, like I said, I feel good about our chances. And, I mean, are you feeling any pressure? I mean, this is, you know, we always talk about where you were a few years ago, and, and now to have, you know, having won two races in the this, in this semifinal round, and probably what most people would consider a, a favorite to win. I, I never, I, I don't think anybody thought uh, we were going to be in this position. Uh, you know, to answer your question, I, I don't feel any pressure. I feel like we've already overachieved what everybody thought we were we were going to be able to do. Um, although I, I I believed in the team surrounding me, um, and when we started, you know, running good this year and, and strung together some top five finishes and uh, the May and June months, um, I knew we just we were just right on that cusp of breaking out. And I knew once that we could get that first one, um, they would come a little a little easier. So. Um, thankfully, that's that's been the case. I feel, like I said, really, really good about where our team's at. Um, I feel like we've done our job this season. It's incredibly hard to make it to Phoenix. There's so many factors that have to play in in your favor to to come out on top. Uh, you have to perform and execute. You know, picker has to be good. I have to do my job, and um, you know, it all has to come together. So, um, in my opinion, you know, once you make it to Phoenix, you know, you've done your job as a race team. And you just, um, you know, go, to the, go do the best you can and um, do, you know, cross your T's, dot your I's, do everything you can to, to best prepare for, for the championship race. Any final questions for Ty? All right, Ty, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Joined by our NASCAR Gaming World. Okay, that was the interview uh, with the NASCAR media on at Homestead Miami after Ty Majeski won the race. I don't know what happened to Sally. said he couldn't hear. I'm hoping everybody else can hear what's going on. Uh, and I'm going to bring Sal back into the queue and see if he can hear now. Can you hear us now, Sal? Yeah, I can hear you now, but you guys, it went dead. When, uh, well, I think your phone Moody must have on. gone dead. Yeah, I think your phone must have gone dead because uh, 
the call dropped, and then, uh, you know, I got your messages and everything. But uh, anyway, I haven't done anything different here, so you can hear me now, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, for the part that you did hear, what did you think of the interview with Ty Majewski? Oh, no, it sounded good. I mean, he said a lot of good things, a lot of positive things, which is good. You know, um, you know, he, uh, you know, of course, you know, they, they talked, you know, about what Phoenix was going to be like, you know, um, you know, he sounds positive. He sounds like he's ready to go. He sounds like he's ready to, to, uh, you know, to win this championship, to make a, a good solid run at it. So it's going to be, um, like I said, it's just, it's, it's anybody's ball game now. It just takes the, it, you know, the highest finisher. It, it really is anybody's ball game. One of the things that you might not have heard is that uh, even coming into Homestead, Miami, uh, they worked on that car, obviously, for Homestead, Miami. But he said he spent more time in the sim uh, working on Phoenix than he did working on Homestead, Miami. So he does feel really good. Uh, going into uh, Phoenix and uh, seeing what he can do there. Um, so, and he talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the competition he had in late models with uh, Harrison Burton and those guys. Uh, so that was kind of cool to hear too. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, you know, we hear a lot about, we hear a lot about the sim, you know, and, and that's cool. You know what I, I, you know, they do it, you know, to, you know, to get a feel for the track. But then once you get out there, it's a whole, it's a whole different. Because I, I, I don't know if when they do the sim, if he's out there with the other drivers or if he just goes out there alone just to get the feel for the track. Because we were talking about this. I was talking about this with one of the drivers on Saturday, one of the te- actually mm-hmm. the team owners, and they're talking about that. You know, said, yeah, he goes, you know, he goes, you get the – you know, you get the guys, you know, that come out, you know, and they, you know, they run fast times, you know, always running fast times. He says, and then all of a sudden when the race comes around, you know, and then they're at the back of the pack. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it, you know. it's, I, I would assume that they're racing under race conditions. That's the best way to get a feel for the track is uh, to be in a in a race with other drivers on that same kind of track. But I think it, what it does is it gives them some familiarity with uh, some of the uh, characteristics of the track. Uh, it's never going to be 100%. It's always going to be a little bit different when you get behind the wheel and actually race on that track. Uh, but it gives them a little bit more than they would have if they didn't do the sim. Yeah, which is true. So, um, it's not um, like he's ready, you know. He's, you know, so like he's excited, he's ready to go. So it um, does. I guess it's, you know, I guess when we get to uh, right to Phoenix in two weeks, you know, see just how ready all these drivers are. We'll see how ready all these drivers are, um, and and that's exactly right. Uh, when we get to Phoenix, things will be different. Uh, I like having the uh, final race at Phoenix. There was a lot of conversation this week, Sal, about uh, the fact that uh, people were all of a sudden missing Phoenix as the last race of the season. 
uh, and wishing we would go back to Homestead. Uh, did I say Phoenix? I mean, uh, people wishing we'd go back to Homestead for that season finale. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, Phoenix has always been the the season. Um, it's always been a championship race for the uh, for the Arquinards West Series, anyways. You know, since we're on the West Coast, they, we we used to we used to start at Phoenix and end at Phoenix. Yep. So we'll see what happens, but uh, I thought it was interesting that so many people had thought, and I even heard people calling in on SiriusXM today saying uh, they wish the finale was still at at, uh, Homestead. So we'll see what happens. I know uh, there's a contract for Phoenix to do that season finale uh, for a while now, but uh, you never know what can happen when that contract ends and a new contract begins. That's true, but you know what I mean. Florida already has enough races, but you know they have the, you know they have the Daytona 500, you know they have the, the, uh, Coco 400, you know then you know they got Homestead in Miami, you know so why should they get the, the Daytona 500 in the, in the season-ending race? You know what I like it that it's here on the West Coast, you know because it gives them gives the fans a chance. You know to uh, you know to to see you know a championship. I mean, like they say, the Daytona Five Hundred. That's like a Super Bowl. It's like the Super Bowl, you know. And, and then you know, then you would get the championship race over here. So, you know, I I, I think it's I think it's and a that very makes good sense thing. too. <clears throat> well, I like it either way. So we'll see. We'll see what NASCAR does in a couple of years here. I've, I've heard rumors that the 2024 schedule is going to be probably uh, the most changes we've seen in the schedule in a long, long time. So I can't wait to see what happens uh, when that comes out. <clears throat> but let's go ahead and uh, move on here to the Xfinity Series. Uh, they raced the 28th Annual Contender Boats 300 out at uh, Homestead Miami Speedway. And the race winner was Noah Gregson, playoff player, uh, age 24, driving the number nine Bass Pro Shops Two Timber BRCC Chevrolet for driver or for owner Rick Hendrick and with crew chief Luke Lambert. Uh, Noah Gregson uh, had his 13th victory in 133 Xfinity Series starts, his eighth victory and 24th top ten finish this year, and eighth victory, I think that's a, a series high for this season. It's his first victory and fourth top ten finish in five races at Homestead Miami Speedway. Ty Gibbs finished second, posting his first top ten finish in one race at Homestead, and it is his, it is his 21st top ten finish of this year. A.J. Allmendinger finished third, posting his second top ten finish in four races at Homestead. And Austin Hill, finishing ninth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, In the Xfinity Series, um, they raced at uh, Homestead Miami. Uh, Nord Gregson gets redemption. He's had uh, a lot of laps at Homestead Miami Speedway with three top ten finishes in four starts before this weekend. But Saturday night, at long last, Gregson earned the Xfinity Series winner's trophy to go with all of his other statistical success at the South Florida track. 
So he dominated the previous three races at the track, having no wins to show for it. Gregson this time led a race high 127 laps on his way to his eighth victory of the season. Ty Gibbs raced uh, to second place on a late race restart. A.J. Allmendinger finished third. Daniel Hemrick and Sam Mayer round out the top five. The pole sitter, Trevor Bain, finished sixth. Then it was Chandler Smith, Riley Erbst, Austin Hill, Justin Aldauer, who rounded out the top ten. Gregson won both stages, putting his total to 16 stage wins this season. That's the second most for any driver in a single season since stages were implemented in 2017. Christopher Bell had 22 stage wins in 2019. There were 13 lead changes along seven, among seven drivers with four cautions for 24 yellow flag laps. Your thoughts about the top 10 finishers, so? Yeah, it was a, it was a good race. Um, Dog just kind of ran away with it. You know, it's good to see you know the you know see him get the win. I don't know. I just think there's a lot there's a lot going on with Noah health wise, and I and you know I like Noah a lot, but I think he needs to go get checked because if he got out the way he got out of the car and he looked pale, I mean, can you imagine if he passes out while he's while he's racing? You know, he could be a danger mm-hmm. to him to himself. Um. You know, uh, dominating win. You know, he he's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on. But other than that, Ty Gibbs tried to give him a run for his money. So did AJ Allmendinger. Of course, they didn't have nothing for him. You know, mm-hmm. going into the this his eighth win. You know, going in as the as the favorite. You know, into the championship. So I mean, it's um, you'll see what happens. You know, when it comes to when he gets to uh, Phoenix, if he if he can. Uh, if he can um, seal the deal, basically, because without a championship, all these wins are—they look nice on the—they look—they look, all the trophies look nice on the trophy case. But without that championship, you know what? They're just—it's it's hard work that he's earned. You know, and he's earned it, so you can't take nothing away from him. Um, mm, I was hoping to true. see Daniel Hamrick. I was hoping to see Daniel Hamrick get another win. Gosh, he got that one win last year for the championship. And that was it. Um, but other than that, it's going to be uh, going to be a good uh, good race going into the um, going to the championship weekend. Yes, indeed, uh, it is going to be a good race again. In this race, it was the top fourteen drivers who finished all two hundred <laughs> laps. Uh, everybody else was a lap or more down. Uh, two pe- three people were out because of accidents. Uh, J.J. Yaley, very early in the race, lap three, uh, was out because of an accident. Uh, then also due to accidents, Kyle Sieg and Stefan Parsons. Kyle Sieg was out on lap 183, Stefan Parsons on lap 189. And then a couple of mechanical issues Mason Massey had an engine issue. He was out on lap 62, and B.J. McLeod had an electrical issue, taking him out of the race on lap 115. Uh, but again, only 14 drivers finishing on that lead lap at the end of the race. Uh, pretty amazing. Uh, again, they don't have the uh, margin of victory here, uh, but uh, I will say Noah Gregson pretty much dominated that race. 
Oh, it was a big margin. That's probably why they didn't put it. They didn't want to embarrass all the other drivers. It was a big <laughs> that margin. What it was, so they probably, I I think so. I mean, it was it was a huge margin. I mean, you something that you don't want to post. You don't want to make Ty Gibbs and uh, AJ Allmendinger feel bad. Yeah, I was surprised uh, Brandon Jones finished fifteenth. I expected more out of him at Homestead Miami Speedway. He just never really got going. Do you want to yeah. cover the points here? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and actually, you know, Riley. Yeah, actually, Riley Herbst is. You know, he's been having some good finishes. You know, hopefully, he comes back to the team next year. You know, and you know, to be a you know, to yeah, be a you know a little great. bit more dominant. Yeah, see what happens with, especially with Noah leaving the Finney series. So the points right now: Noah Gregson and Josh Berry both at, both advanced in Championship Four. Ty Gibbs and AJ Allmendinger are, are actually the top four, and below the cut line is Justin Allgaier, who's only five points below AJ Allmendinger. Austin Hill is seven points. Sam Mayer and Brandon Jones are at a they're at a must-win situation, but. Um, we could see Austin Hill with Justin Algar grab that last spot from AJ Allmendinger. Ty Gibbs is basically basically looks like he's locked into the to the top four. Yeah, that would be a huge upset uh if AJ Allmendinger gets unseated out of that fourth place spot. But I think it's also a huge upset that Justin Algar is below the cut line right there. Uh and whether or not he's gonna be able to race his way back into that top four. Uh, with this race at uh, Martinsville. Yeah, it's going to be it's a, it's a tough track. It's going to be a tough race for him. Um, you know, just see how it goes. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, you got Noah Gregson and Josh Berry, you know, teammates that are already locked in. So, uh, you know, the nice job. Justin Algar getting there, you know, make it a three, you know, three a three team. Um, uh, Senior Motorsports. Exactly right. Uh, now, Junior Motorsports right now is in the lead for that owner's championship. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing's number 54 is in <coughs> second place, but he's, they're still 31 points back. So uh, it looks like Junior Motorsports in that number nine car has it pretty well locked up. Uh, Colleague Racing is in third, 56 points back for the number 16 car. And the other uh, fourth-place car is Junior Motorsports number 7, 61 points back with Richard Childress Racing's number 21. Uh, That's Austin Hill, 63 points back. So the owner's title uh, is, is not usually a big deal for everybody except for the owner's. Uh, but this year, it seems like the owner's title is taking just a little bit more uh, of a significance for a lot of people. Yeah, it seems like it has. i got to agree with you on that. Um, it, even to the point to where Danny Hamlin took uh, Bubba, uh, uh, whatever his name is, into the number 45 car, which is Kurt Busch's, you know, to yeah. you know, give him some experience to run for an owner's championship. And then he goes and does what he does, you know, so um, a lot of good yeah. that did. You know, it didn't really help that much. It's unfortunate, but they do have John Hunter Nemechek in that car. Uh, they did have that uh, John Hunter Nemechek yeah, in that the car. Yeah, for the one race, yeah. 
for the one race. But I mean, so they yeah. could still go I mean, for owner's back, points, and that's yeah. in the Cup Series. Yeah, but I mean, coming back to Xfinity, it's good to see Carla racing up there, you know, in, third, in that third spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, still fighting, you know, for a, you know, for a top five. You know, a, you know, on top of on top of Richard Childress racing, and then the other two Joe Gibbs racing cars. You know, and then of course, you know, they got the Stuart Haas racing car of Riley Herbst down in eleventh. So, um, you know, it, it's a. Uh, It's gonna, it's an interesting season to say the least. Now I thought it was yeah. really cool too. Uh, this was Trevor Bain's last start of the season, so it was kind of cool that he was able to win the pole for this race set, being his last start for the season. Yeah, I I don't wasn't really much of a Trevor Bain fan. I know he won the twenty five hundred, you know, uh, as a Cinderella story, you know, and it'll always be a Cinderella story. You know, he did win it, but, you know, I've been on a few occasions. He never really panned out to be the driver that, you know, everybody thought he was going to be. You know, he, mm-hmm. he you know, did his time and copy did his time and, you know, Xfinity and just never, never really panned out to be, you know, one of the superstar drivers, you know. Okay. Um, I wanted to look at uh, some of the news here for the Xfinity Series as well. Um, Ryan Vargas and JD will uh, JD Motorsports had a new sponsor on board uh, for their week. Uh, they will have a new sponsor on board for Martinsville Speedway. So that's really good for that organization. Tire Pros also is rejoining Junior Motorsports. They've extended through 2023. So uh, that was really good to see as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, anytime you see, you know, things, you know, new, uh, actually old sponsors coming back, you know, that that's good for, the, you know, it's good for the series. It's very good for the sport. Yeah. Okay, let's uh we're a little bit ahead of schedule here, but let's go ahead and get uh go to the NASCAR Cup Series uh race at Homestead Miami Speedway and maybe uh, we can hit on some things there. Uh it was the 24th annual Dixie Vodka 400. Kyle Larson was the spoiler this week. He's a non-playoff player. Uh, at the age of 30, driving the number five Valvoline Chevrolet for Rick Hendrick and crew chief Cliff Daniels. It was his 19th victory in 293 Cup Series starts, his third victory and 17th top ten finish this year, and his first victory and fifth top ten finish in nine starts at Homestead Miami Speedway. Ross Chastain finished second, posting his first top ten finish in four races at Homestead and his 19th top ten finish this season. A.J. Allmendinger finished third, posting his fourth top ten finish in 11 races at Homestead. And Austin Sindrick, who finished 19th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Now, Kyle Larson again played the spoiler at Homestead. 
Uh, Kyle has led a lot of laps and has come awfully close to hoisting the trophy at Homestead. But on Sunday, he finally did both, winning the Dixie Vodka 400 uh, playoff race in the dominant form. The win was his third win of the year, the first at Homestead, Miami, and the 19th win for his career. Again, Ross Chastain finished second, followed by A.J. Allmendinger. Then it was Austin Dillon and Brad Keselowski rounding out the top five. Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Daniel Suarez round out the top ten. The pole winner, William Byron, led 32 laps and ended up finishing in 12th place. Larson dominated the race, leading 199 of 267 laps. He also swept the first two stages. There were 11 lead changes among five drivers, five cautions for 30 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 129.612 miles per hour. Let's see if they've got a margin of victory. They do have a margin of victory here, and it was sizable, 1.261 seconds. So uh, your thoughts about the top ten here, Sal? You know, it was a good race. You know, Kyle Larson, you know, another dominated performance. I thought Ross Chastain was going to have something for him there at the end. Um, gosh, Ross is just just really proving to be, you know, a championship contender. Um, uh-huh. I thought – Really thought Joey Logano had a had a bad day out, you know, finishing 18th. He was my pick to win the championship, but man, after this past week, you know, who do you who do you pick? I mean, I was hoping Brad would have gotten the win. Brad, huh? yeah, Brad has uh, got two more races. He's got a streak going of you know consecutive seasons where he's won a race. So. um Brad has two more ways to do it. He looked kind of strong there towards the end, but, you know, fifth place finish, nobody was going to catch Kyle Larson. He was out. He was out. He was going to win this race. I mean, he was not going to let it get away. From fifth to uh, ninth, we had quite a few of the veterans back in top form with Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, and Kyle Busch all finishing in that top ten. We haven't seen that in quite a while. Yeah, Martin looked good. You know, looked like he was going to, you know, possibly contend for the win, you know, and, and then he had that pit stop where he overshot his, his pit, started to overshoot mm-hmm. it, you know, and they got hit and it got spun, you know, and kind of blamed it. He should have just taken the blame himself because he's the one. Well, he did say it was, was partially his fault. He did say it was yeah, but, it was his fault. Yeah, but it was all his fault because if he went over shot the pit, he would have he would have dove in where he was supposed to instead of having to break. You know, to try and get in real quick. You know, he should have just, most drivers when they overshoot their pit, they just keep going. But um, mm-hmm. for some odd reason, Truex didn't keep going. He figured I'm going to slow down and try and get in. And, you know, he paid the price for it. You know, getting dumped in the back. Right. Yeah, he knew way. he made that mistake. Yeah. Okay, two two drivers uh, and and uh, playoff contender Chase Elliott was caught up in an accident on lap 160, uh, giving him a last place finish in 36. Tyler Reddick also had an accident lap 242. He was out of the race. 
And uh, everybody else, let's see how far up we go. Actually, a lot more cars finishing on the lead lap in the Cup Series race. 23 uh, cars finished on the lead lap, uh, with the rest of the cars finishing a lap or more down. Uh, so a lot more drivers on that lead lap at the end of this race. Yeah, Chase Briscoe kind of, man, I was, I, I'd have liked to see them get into the final four. You know, he's still, I know he still has one more race, yeah. you know, to try and get in. But he's in a, of course, you know, he's going to be in a must-win, must-win situation too. So, you know, it's, it's yep, going to be, uh, it's going to be tough for him. Yeah. So the points, um, Joey Logano locked himself in with the win last weekend. Um, Ross Chastain is sitting in second. Chase Elliott is sitting in third. William Byron sitting in fourth. William Byron is still hanging on. Um, him and Danny Hamlin were kind of fighting for the for that last spot um, during the race, and but William Byron ended up five points ahead of Hamlin. Hamlin is uh, below the cutoff line. Ryan Blaney below the cutoff line. Chris Bell, who got who got a uh, who had a wreck last week, thanks to uh, Bubba Wallace. You know he's 33 points below the cut line, and of course Chase Briscoe, Chase Briscoe and Christopher Bell are both at a at a must-win situation. I think even to the point that even Ryan Blaney is at a must-win situation, unless um, Chase Elliott and William Byron have DNS. But it, it's going to be hard to uh, it's going to be hard to uh, for Ryan Blaney to make up that 18 points. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, those guys are all going to be going after that win at uh, Martinsville for sure. As far as the owner's points here in the uh, Cup Series, uh, Joy Logano has the lead by just five points. Trackhouse Racing's number one, that's Chase, that's uh, Ross Chastain, uh, is in second place, five points behind uh, the 22. And the number nine of uh, Chase Elliott is 13 points back, so it's pretty close here. Hendrick Motorsports number 24 is 19 points back, and Hendrick Motorsports number 5 is 20 points back. So this is a more hotly contested contest here. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing number 11 is 24 points back. So those top six drivers are all within 24 points of the owner's title. So uh, that's why drivers like Ross Chastain, I'm sorry, uh, Kyle Larson, who's outside of the playoffs now, is still racing hard uh, to get those wins because uh, he's trying to get that owner's title for his uh, Hendrick Motorsports team owner, Rick Hendrick. Exactly. You know what? And, and, uh, you know, this – Gosh, to see Trackhouse racing up there, you know, mm-hmm. Ross Chastain, you know, it's, it's just amazing. It's just something that I don't think anybody would have, you know, Hamlin, Ham, Hamlin up in a spot, you know, fighting for a playoff spot, you know, to try and win another, to try and win his first championship. But I kind of called it, you know, I'm not saying you know he's fully choked, but I just, I just don't think. This ain't gonna be Hamlin's year either. I mean, I I know anything can happen, but he's just he's too far out of the he's too far out of the loop to to be championship. Okay, yeah, I think 
I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun to watch the race at Phoenix. Uh, well, we've got Martinsville first. Uh, Martinsville yeah. is going to be a fun race to watch because that's the elimination race for both the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. Uh, Truck Series had their elimination race. We know who the final four drivers are, uh, but that is yet to be determined for both the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series uh, with the race at Martinsville. And what a race it's going to be at Martinsville because we know there's a lot of bumping and banging and feelings get hurt at Martinsville Speedway uh, during a typical race. So I don't imagine it's going to be any different this weekend. Yeah, I don't think so either. I'm, I, I'm still going to stick to my, to my call of Joey Logano winning the championship this year. We'll see after okay. Martinsville if um, Danny, if Danny Hamlin gets in there. But I just don't think. I don't know. I think Danny's going to get desperate, and, and he's he's going to try to use the, I all these drivers. I I own something. Remember he said that a few weeks ago. You know, I have a, a book. You know, and. And he's gonna say, I I owe him something, you know. I owe William Byron, you know, for what he what he wrecked me out at uh, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, when he hit me on the yellow flag lap, you know. He's gonna say that for William Byron. I don't know about Chase Elliott, but um. Well, have you noticed that in all of those cases, the common denominator uh, between it's Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin and William Byron, Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain. Denny Hamlin and whoever the other drivers are. It's always Denny Hamlin that's involved in that, and I don't think that's a dink. I think that Denny Hamlin has a lot to do with those incidents, um, and we'll have to see what happens, but Denny Hamlin usually ends up shooting himself in the foot. Yeah, he does. You know what, and, and all this threat of this and that, you know what, I, I don't know. I just, he's now I know where Bubba Wallace gets it from. He gets it from his team owner. <laughs> you know, well, I'm sorry to say I hope that. Not. You know. I hope he learns from those kinds of mistakes because uh, I think as long as he keeps his head on who he owes and, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, to me it's the wrong attitude to have on the racetrack. And he's got to readjust his thinking. Uh, to be a he's got to put his thinking. Driver. He's got to put his thinking back on. I need to win. I need. I need to get points. Forget about trying to get. Forget about back everybody on else. Who, who got me? Yeah, who got me? He's he's putting so much emphasis on that. He's taking the emphasis off of, you know, I need to go out there and drive because I'm below the cut line again. You know what? I'm I'm, I'm probably not going to win the championship again. I'm gonna have to go uh-huh. to off season again, knowing that I, you know, that I had a decent season. I had a chance to win it. Again, you know, and he's, I think he's... Well, him and Kevin Harvick, too, were very critical of NASCAR. And I've got to wonder if that wasn't a smokescreen for something else. Sometimes you raise a flag over here to take the eyes off of what's going on over there. And um, uh, I kind of get the feeling that that's what all of those complaints about NASCAR (laughs) were all about. Uh, And they need to kind of get away from doing that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm being you know, nice I, when I put it that way. Uh, I, I really it's think true, you know, to refocus. And and also, and also I, I I strongly believe that him taking on this ownership role was a mistake. Yeah, you know, it's 
certainly. You know, it, it, I mean, Kevin Harvick talked about it when Kevin Harvick had the Truck Series and the and the and the Nationwide Series. Kevin said he goes, you know what? He says, yeah, he, I got to step back. I got to sell the mm-hmm. team because you know what? I'm putting so much emphasis on on trying to on trying to get my my team to win. I have my own team I got to worry about because I'm still driving Cup. You know, and you can only spread yourself so thin. And I think by taking on I think had he taken on another driver like say Kurt Busch and maybe Ross Chastain, he'd have been better off. Bubba Wallace just—he's too much of a distraction. In my opinion, he's way too much, way too much of a distraction for somebody who is racing in the series like Danny Hamlin. I think had Hamlin taken on a Kurt Busch and maybe a Ross Chastain or even even a Ty Dillon, you know, somebody like that, you know, somebody that's just going to go out there and race and not cause controversy. I think it would have been a better fit, but I, I think with, with with it has to have a it has Danny it has to be in the back of his mind. Yeah, I like this guy, you know, for whatever reason, him and Michael Jordan picked him, and and mm-hmm. I don't mean to throw the race card out there, but I think Jordan picked him because he's uh, African American. Jordan's African American, you know, what they wanted to see what they could do with Bubba. Yeah, he won two races, but he's he's not the. He's not the role model per se that... Well, this last you know, that, incident was not a good example of being a role model. Yeah. In all, any way, all shape, or form. Even with, the, even with the rope, you know what? Um, when when Alex Bowman, you know, was you know was having trouble breathing after the race, he goes, oh, that throws water on him. I mean, what what, what is mm-hmm. that? I mean, right then and there, that was a telltale sign for Hamlin and Jordan to say, hey, dude, you know what? Relax. Chill out. Don't open your mouth. You know, when he won his race, see, when he won the race, see you guys, look at, look at, look at me, I won, you know what, and, and this is for all the haters. What do you say well, stuff like say, that for? They did say, Sal, that they had internal conversations with Bubba Wallace, and they were doing some things internally to address some of those issues. And I'm hoping that one of those things, they did not say specifically what they were doing, but I hope that one of those things was uh, maybe giving him some anger management uh, uh, training because uh, there certainly have been indications that there's an anger management issue there. Uh, you brought up the water bottle with Alex Jones, who was trying to recover after getting out of the race car. Um, the situation that happened out at uh, Las Vegas, um, there there seems to be uh, an overreaction. I thought that was an overreaction to what happened with uh, Kyle Larson. And if he looked at the video of it, I think he would have to agree uh, that his reaction just doesn't fit with what what was happening there. It was hard racing, yes, um, but it certainly didn't command that kind of a reaction from um, from Bubba. He and, but he doesn't believe it, though. He believes he's right. He even went to the point to where he, when he posted on Instagram, he turned off, and his Twitter page, he turned off to comment. Mm. He didn't let nobody comment. He turned the comments off. I went to his Instagram mm-hmm. page, and there was not one comment because he turned it off because he knew was gonna, he knew he was gonna get backlash from his own fans. So he turned mm-hmm. all the commenting on all his social media. He turned the commenting off because he didn't want it. He knows his fans are telling, but he. For some reason, he thinks he's right. That's why he keeps doing it. He thinks it's okay. That's why he keeps doing it. 
That's why he needs some anger yeah. management. <laughs> he needs, because I mean, his perspective is a little bit off there. You know, and then Michael Jordan doesn't help any because Michael Jordan had the same attitude when he played basketball. You know, hmm. Michael Jordan was just just like just like Wallace. I don't a lot of people that. gave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Michael Jordan was no saint. He was far from being a saint, and I think that's why him and well, Hamlin sure get along so well. I had fun watching him. <laughs> oh yeah, I had everybody fun did. He was. Oh heck yeah, he was good. But but go back, go back and look at some of the games when he was when he was bad, and look look at some of the, the anger he had, some of the stuff he said. And I think that's why him and Hamlin got along so well is because they're both they're both alike. Well, we'll see what happens. Time always has a way of telling the rest of the story, Sal. So we'll see what happens there uh, going forward. I'm hoping that uh, uh, he gets uh, the support that he needs uh, to kind of move forward with this in a positive way. Uh, And I hope hope that um, you're not right about... uh, uh, Denny Hamlin and them were kind of rubbing off on him. Uh, I hope that um, he kind of uh, overcomes that, if you will, because it, it's not. just not necessary. And he it's going to hurt him uh, more I, than I, it's going to help him. I, I know. He doesn't care. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He's got NASCAR on his side. He knows NASCAR isn't going isn't gonna, to NASCAR isn't gonna do anything because it's going to make well, him look. Well, they suspended him for a race. He lost points. Wow. He lost money. It don't matter. He's not in the chase. He, it, it doesn't matter. How much did he lose? He was well. He was supposed to be in the uh, owners' championship. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't. I don't okay. see anything happen. I just see him continue. He's going to continue to be Bob Wallace. So, well, but I'm it, willing to give the guy a chance. Let's see what happens. I, how many forward. chances? The guys had two, five, five years of chances. Okay. <laughs> this ain't the first time. It goes all the way back to when he was with Richard Petty, even before that. Mm-hmm. But, oh, well. Yeah, I'm trying to kind of put some water on this cell. Um, yeah, no, I know. Sure, you know me. You, you, can't put, know. You, can't, you can't put water on me. <laughs> I try. <laughs> you know what? No, you put water on me. All I do is I grow from it. I'm, I'm, I'm like a I'm like a weed. You put a little bit of water on the weed, and the weed grows. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> well, Sal, I got to say it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I was tickled when you walked by me, and I know you weren't expecting me to be there. But honestly, I was at the track with my brother. We were both celebrating our birthdays, mine at the end of September, his at the end of October. And uh, it was his birthday gift to me to go out to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So I was sitting in the stands with him uh, for the, the all of those races. And uh, it was so funny when he went by because I said, Sal, he has no idea who I <laughs> who said hello to him. You know, <laughs> you, well, you know what it is, Sherry, and, and it's, it's, you it's horrible on my end. You weren't expecting me to be there. No, I, I knew you were going to be there, but I – Cause I, I, you, you see the way I'm down there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in race mode, but you know what? Right. I get a lot of people to say, Sal, what's up? How are you doing? You know what? People I've met before, people I've never met, 
you know what? And they follow they follow me on social media. You know, say, hey, Sal, how are you doing? Oh, look at their Sal. You know what? When I was coming down, I was trying to hurry up to get to the to the to Victor the end Lane. of the driver because to the oh, not Victor Lane yeah. to the um, to the um, pre race because because mm-hmm. I knew that um, that Brendan Gone and Kurt Busch were going to say driver starts your engine. So I was trying to get down there right. and. Um, you know, when I walked by, you know, he said, hi, Sal. I just looked real quick, hi, you know, and I and I kept going. And then when I got to the where I was shooting at, and then I, because I had called earlier and you didn't answer, and then I, that's when I texted you and said, well, I, I thought I'm, I was telling Troy, who was next to me, I said, yeah, I said, Sharon was supposed to be down here for the show. And I go, let me let me give her a text while we're waiting for the, for the cars to come out. That's when I texted you. And then that's what you oh, said. Okay. And then I was thinking... I'd, I'd go and rewind. I'm thinking, let me see. I came down the aisle. I came on the track. I said, that's right. There's two people sitting right where I walked down and they said, hi, Sal. And I told Troy, I go, that had to be her. I said, <laughs> I said, because everybody else there I knew, but I was just, I mean, even, even when I met Michael over at the Derby, you know, Michael came up to the gate. Hey, what's up, Sal? You know, I was like, uh, what's up? You know, and then he goes, oh, Michael, hey, what's up? You know, I went up and shook his hand, but I mean, I you know what? I just get a lot of people that just go by and what's up, Sal? How are you doing? You know what? And you know, and, and you're talking you know, about Jay. It just Jay. That's why I was talking yeah. about was Jay. Yeah. Well, are and, you going to um, stay on for hot topics with us, Sal? For the up, up to the top know, of the hour. I can't, sure. And I, I, I'm, I'm getting ready. We're getting all our stuff ready. I'm going to All American 400 this weekend. We're leaving Friday or Thursday. And um, I just got oh, back okay. from Kern. Saturday night, so yep. I got to. I got a lot of get all my packing together. I got to get all my camera gear together, everything that I'm taking. Because Thursday when I get out of work, we we catch a plane to Nashville. Okay, well everybody say hi to Sal. Say hi and bye to Sal, and we'll see you next week. Sal. Hi everybody. Hey all Sal. Right. Uh, hey, what's hi, up? Hi and bye, Sal. I, yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when when I when I do this show next week, I'll I'll just be getting off the plane. So I'll probably oh, check like okay. retired, but but oh, we'll be home early enough to where I don't have to cancel. Okay, okay. Well, take right. care, safe everybody travels have a good weekend. to you, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, good night, everybody. Okay, good night. Okay, good night. All right, uh, I know we're a few minutes behind here for Hot Topic Sound Off, but thanks for joining us uh, as I welcome to the show Andy Lasky. Hey, how's it going? I'm going good. And also Jay Huseman, welcome to the show. Both of you. Well, th- thank you, Sharon. And uh, I caught just the tail end of that, uh, and I, I heard I mentioned when, when Sal met me there at the Derby, and what you guys were talking about from what I gathered there, I can relate to that on so many levels. I, I just think about <laughs> at one trap, the entire grandstand knows who I am as the announcer, I don't right. mention every other one of them, but they say hi to you, and you're just like, hey, yeah, and then it's like, oh, wait, I actually do know that person. <laughs> well, and it was funny because I was there with my brother. Like I say, we were celebrating our birthdays, and we're actually sitting in the stand. He's kind of handicapped, so we're right there in the front row. And I saw Sal go by, and I said, hi, Sal. And he kind of looked in at me and said, hey, how's it going? And then he kind of kept going. And I looked at my brother, and I said, he has no idea. <laughs> he has no idea that that was me. So then he texted me later, and we, we did kind of meet up, but it was kind of funny. 
Anyway. Well, and the, and the other aspect, other aspect of that, and I know what he was referring to of, you know, he's he's there to to take photos and yep. got a schedule and focus. So yeah, you kind of get one track, uh, one mind track there that you don't even realize, you know, who you're talking to or what you're doing, other than what your focus is. Yep, yep. He did say he later kind of thought maybe that was it. But anyway, let's go ahead and get into our hot topic sound off. Uh, for tonight and Andy I want to start with you we haven't heard from you in a while what's our our first hot topic here tonight well the first one I found to be a bit intriguing and that is um, the number five team is Kyle Larson despite the driver himself Kyle Larson not being eligible for the championship the team is from the owner's standpoint and by virtue of their win at Homestead they will be competing for an owner's championship at, at uh, Phoenix in a couple of weeks. Thoughts on that? Yeah, we were just talking about that uh, in the Cup Series review. Let me pull it up here because uh, just to kind of give you a perspective of where that kind of sits. Give me just a second here. Uh, owner points. Yeah, it's very close, the owner points in the uh, Cup Series. Team Penske is out in front, but just by four point, five points, the 22 car has the lead over the number one car. Then it's the number nine car, 13 points back. 24 car is 19 points back, and the number five car is 20 points back. Uh, the 11 car it, for Joe Gibbs Racing is uh, 24 points back. So 24 points between six cars in that owner's championship uh, is pretty much wide open between those six drivers. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, this is, this is one of those that, in your mind, you know it. Um, I know when we started the playoffs, there was that discussion because Kurt Busch's team, uh, uh, the 2311 team with Kurt Busch, was eligible for the owner's championship whereas Mm -hmm. Kurt wasn't for the drivers. So Ryan Blaney went in as a driver, but not the team owner, the number 12 for Team Penske. So knew there was that difference between the two of 11 of the owners that weren't the same as the 12 for the uh, drivers, or 16 actually when we started. Um, But I didn't realize that the five team of Kyle Larson was that high in contention and obviously with the win, if I'm not mistaken, the owner's championship, does, does that go the same way of if you win, you advance? And the, so the four that um, oh, go I don't to the know championship four are the I same think they four. they typically go on points. Because I thought, I I thought during the race, oh, and no, that's what caught do. my attention. I don't know. There are eight. Yeah, it could be. You're right. It looks like maybe they do. The top eight drivers are 4,000-plus. Uh, those that are below are 2,000 and less, or 2,200 and less. So, yeah, it looks like maybe it is. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you know, when we're talking about that, we know that Kyle Larson, as a driver, had been eliminated when they said that of he now has to, to run for that owner's championship. And, and we've seen it. I mean, it's important to these owners. I mean, that's still a, a big thing, manufacturer-wise as well as ownership-wise because we've seen teams that like 2311 that change drivers to try and make that happen. And I think Kyle Larson is now dangerous as far as determined to get at least the owner's championship. And we have never seen the 
split championship at the cup level. We see it. I've actually seen it a lot in the truck series with Kyle Busch Motorsports. We've seen it a couple of times in the Xfinity. The only time I can remember that it was truly a factor in the cup level was back when Mark Martin was running part-time for the 01, I believe, was Dale Earnhardt Incorporated at the time, and then Hendrick Motorsports for uh, a few races as well, that those teams were eligible for the owners but not the driver because Mark was splitting splitting his time. So um could be interesting, and, and if you listen to Kyle Larson's interview, he really feel like at the Roval, the mistake he made, he took his team out of that championship um, and is taking it personally responsible and going after that owner's championship. Yes, indeed, and when you look at it from that perspective, he's just one. The top four drivers are the 22, the 1, the 9, and the 24. So Kyle Larson is in fifth place one point behind the Hendrick Motorsports number 24. Uh, He's uh, six points back from the number nine, also a teammate, and uh, 15 points back from that second spot. So that could be made up in one race, uh, but that's how tight it is and why these drivers are still pushing for that owner's championship. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens at Martinsville uh, and who wins at Martinsville. Uh, right now, I wouldn't say that Team Penske's number 22 car is secure, being five points up. I think that that spot is vulnerable, and uh, any one of those drivers could uh, take over that spot after Martinsville. So it's going to be interesting, the owners' uh, championship this year. And I don't remember... Well, you mentioned there was an instance, but this is the closest I, I uh, think I've seen it in a long time uh, with the driver, with the owner points, and uh, a lot can happen here. So, Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is interesting. I, I want to say this is the first time that we've seen uh, the, the ability for potentially a driver and owner champion that are separate from each other. So, um but but it's an intriguing development, and I think you know things get a little um, mixed up when when the 45 of Kurt Busch dropped out, but the team did not um, from playoff eligibility, and, and so you had uh, the 45 in there, um, you know, from an owner's chance, you know standpoint, and that factored in, I think, is what kind of um, you know allowed the ability to have you know a driver in, in Kyle Larson get eliminated, but his team continue. And, and I think that just has to do with the points. Um, you know, typically what you would see, you know, 16 winners from 16 different teams get in and you wouldn't have, um, typically wouldn't have the ability, um, you know, of having, having a team get eliminated, but a driver continue. Like it wouldn't typically work that way. Um, mm-hmm. But it's an it's an intriguing development for sure, um, and, and certainly, you know, like Jay said, there's a huge incentive for the team to try to go win because that's a big deal for for the five team, and it's a big deal for Hendrick Motorsports and, and for Chevrolet. So, uh, um, and, and you know, Larson obviously was last year's champion, knows how to get the job done at Phoenix. So. Um, you know, you have to think that they have just as much of a chance as anyone 
to try to win that championship. So um, it would be obviously good from that team's perspective to, to try to go win. But certainly from the driver's standpoint, it, you know, probably isn't as much fun. But but then again, Kyle Larson is, is, is just as much a, a part of that team as any member. And, and, you know, if they can pull it off, it would be a team effort for, for their owner, Hendrick Motorsports. So um, it'll be interesting to see that develop. It was interesting because I was looking at the running order uh, I think a week or two ago, and I saw nine playoff cars, and I'm like, how does that happen? <laughs> and then I realized that the five <laughs> was, was still in there because of the fact that they were eligible for that owner's title. So, um, you know, certainly interesting for sure. It's not something they really talk about much on the race broadcast, but um, certainly they will be as much uh, a part of that championship four battle as anyone when it comes time uh, to determine that at Phoenix. Exactly, Jay, Jay and Andy. The five car is the only playoff, the only non-playoff uh, driver uh, that is still in it for the championship on the owner's side of it. So, all the rest of the drivers uh, in that top eight for the owner's title uh, are playoff drivers. Jay, your follow-up. Yeah, I found an article here. Um on USA Insider by Andrew Wooden, and, and it talks about it. They do do the same way of the four owner uh-huh. uh, team cars and owners um, still battling out amongst the four of them. So if Larson, who's a 2021 Cup Series champion, takes the checkered flag at the Cup Series championship at Phoenix Raceway November 9th, he'll win the owner's title for his team at Hendrick Motorsports as the highest finishing driver of the final four. If this scenario were to manifest, Larson would be go down in history books as the first split title winner in the modern era of NASCAR, um, which is after 1972, and only the second driver to do so since 1963. Um, so like I said, at the cup level, we, do, we don't see this um, as regularly. And as Andy mentioned, it didn't get talked about a whole lot because – it kind of went under the radar, but I think it will be now. So just the fact that he mm-hmm. is, and he's the defending champion. So we know he's got a shot at it. Um, it will be interesting to see, uh, especially when we've talked about this. And I think it's one of the, the hot topics we may have later tonight of teammates, you know, with different agendas um, battling it out there at the end. So uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We got to see who else makes it, you know, right now, Chase Elliott is in on points. Um, but not by much. And Martinsville is a good track for him, but as well as a couple other drivers. So we'll have to wait and see uh, see who the four are and go from there. But I think it will get some exposure as we move forward, uh, the fact that, again, it could be the second time on the history of NASCAR. Well, having a good race at Martinsville is the key here. Right now he's number five uh, in that ranking so he's just one point out. Uh, it's certainly doable, but he's going to have to have a good race at Martinsville, and hopefully nobody takes him out or, uh, you know, he doesn't get taken out accidentally uh, with a race at a short track like Martinsville. That's certainly possible as well. So um, uh, I think it might chase, change the racing dynamics uh, possibly at Martinsville. Uh, we'll have to kind of see how it all plays out. But, yeah, this is a very intriguing situation. Uh, you mentioned 23XI or 2311. 
the number 45 car with that incident in Las Vegas, uh, they are now 13th in those uh, points. So uh, they're racing for uh, point position. I, I guess they're tied uh, in with the 14th place 18 car uh, at 19.20 points, one point behind Team Pinsky's number two. And, uh, uh, again, it's a tight battle uh, for those drivers uh, that are kind of in that range there <clears throat> for that number 45 car. They lost a lot of points at Las Vegas. Uh, but, yeah, these guys uh, want to be in the top four uh, after Martinsville, and uh, I'm sure they're going to be racing hard for it. But to be in it, you got to to win it. You got to be in it, and so they're going to be looking to take care of their equipment at the same time, so that they don't uh, lose ground on this owner's points. So I think that's going to make it a very intriguing race at Martinsville. And you're right, Jay. I think we're going to see more attention given to it uh, when when they uh, do the pre-race for. Uh, Martinsville this coming weekend. Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, um, nothing really much to add here other than, um, you know, there'll be, you know, an interesting uh, development and an extra element for that championship battle at Phoenix. But, um, you know, certainly, you know, good for that five team to be able to continue and and a lot for them to be racing for the next couple weeks. Okay, Jay, what's our next hot topic? Well, I know over several weeks we, we've talked about things happening off the track and not the actual race itself, so I'm going to try <laughs> and put some more focus on that. Brad Keselowski got his first top five as a driver at RFA Racing, and I know he won the uh, dual race at Daytona, but that was a non-points race. This was a points race. And we've seen the improvement from them over the past couple of weeks specifically on Brad Keselowski's side. Um, so what do we see in there at RFK as they build and uh, move forward? Okay, Andy. I think, to me, this isn't a huge shock, and I say that because, you know, when Brad bought this team, he knew that it would be a rebuilding year, and it may even take longer than a year to get fully back to where they want to be. Um, it's no secret that Roush Racing, or you know Roush Fenway Racing, now known as Roush uh, Fenway Kozlowski Racing, has struggled in recent times. They're not the powerhouse team that they once were, but obviously through hard work, you know Brad's goal is to get back to being a race-winning, championship-contending team. And given where they were performance-wise, it's, it's simply going to take time you know, to rebuild and and get back to where they were and where they need to be. But I I think that, you know, with Brad's leadership coming in, along with Chris Buescher, who's, you know, a very talented driver, I think, you know, that, you know, now, as we've seen this year, winning at Bristol can can reap the rewards of of increasing performance from that team across the board. So I I think the goal has always been to to work hard and continue to improve to get better, like like every team's goal would be. But certainly when you bring in a a presence like Brad to any race team, he's going to elevate that program and over time and hard work help get that program better. So I guess it's not a big surprise for me to to finally see this, you know, after almost a full season of, of working hard to get better. 
you know, maybe we're now starting to see more consistent improvement and better results from that team. So um, there may still be a ways to go, and it may still take another season or so to to help them fully get back where they'd like to be. But um, certainly, you know, earning a top five finish at a at a tough racetrack like Homestead is a step in the right direction toward being back to where they'd like to be. Yeah, you're right, Andy. I think that uh, Brad Keselowski knew he had a tall order. Uh, so many cliches come to my mind. I want to be a fly on the wall at Rush Fenway Racing because I I, I sometimes get a feeling that uh, oh, here's another one. Old old habits die hard, um, uh, and how Brad Keselowski is kind of uh, going in there from a top caliber team like Team Penske. He's going over there and kind of turning heads, if you will, uh, another cliche, um, and and trying to uh, manage change, if you will, within that organization. That is not an easy task, and uh, it, it does take time. Uh, a lot of people uh, are reluctant to change, and uh, sometimes... Uh, I, I I just get a feeling that that's perhaps what it's been at Rush Fenway Keselowski Racing. Uh, so the second half of the season, we've seen him kind of start to come on here with that top five this week. I think that that is a very good sign uh, that he's starting to make some headway within that organization and that, you know, you throw in on top of the, all of the things that I just talked about, change management, uh, throw into that that you've also got the next generation car uh, to deal with and all the learning curve that goes with uh, managing that next generation car and learning it. Uh, that's a lot of change within one organization. And I think that that uh, you're right. The, the struggle doesn't seem to be much of a surprise. Uh, we knew it was going to take time, uh, but to see him finally get that top five result, and he has been running a little bit closer to the front uh, of more recent, uh, I think we're going to see more from that organization moving forward. Uh, and uh, you're right, there's a couple of really talented drivers at that organization. Chris Busher's had had some really good runs this season. Uh, but, again, I kind of expected the younger drivers to adapt to this new car a lot more quickly than the older drivers, uh, going back to old habits die hard. Um, uh, so Brad Keselowski had his own issues uh, with dealing with change with this next-generation car. So there was a lot to deal with there. I'm glad to see them turning the corner. I think that uh, once they get fully around that corner, we're going to see some good things from that organization again. And uh, who knows, we may see some heydays yet for Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing uh, in the coming year or so. So I'm looking forward to that. Jay? Yeah, this this has been a roller coaster. Uh, when he announced he was going over there, I knew he wanted to be part of part of the ownership side of things uh, and take on that role. Uh, I'm not sure why, but it was his uh, what he wanted. So uh, one of the contract holdups, I believe, with Team Penske. So going over there, we know where Roush Fenway has been. See the mountain in front of him that that he's got to undertake with that. They come out and win at the duels at Daytona. I had high hopes. Uh, I know it's a super speedway, but 
again, that's at least a starting point. Then they get hit with the penalty, and they have some issues, and it seemed like it went backwards. But then, as you mentioned, Sharon, uh, Chris Busher, uh, I believe he's back to Chris and not Christopher uh, from what I saw on social media, so we'll call him Chris Busher, um, being the one leading the charge. And as you said, that adapting to the next-gen car better than maybe Brad was, or, you know, and we don't know the internal workings, like it seemed like Brad was like, hey, I'm going to help elevate him, not myself. Like, you know, I can help them, but not my own team. And I think now we're starting to see it spread throughout the organization, both teams running up front. Um, so I'm back to being really excited because I, I think that is a great thing for the sport, for Roush Fenway, uh, Keselowski Racing now. That is one that, you know, you just – that organization was at one time, and that's part of the reason we've had some changes. They had five cars in the playoffs. We're no longer allowed to have five, and it's been down to a two-car team. So we've kind of seen it tumble to see them come back. Just like Richard Childress Racing, we've seen go, go through that. So I like to see that, and I am excited about the future, especially right now. I hope they can carry that momentum through the off season into next year, because uh, right now they definitely both. As you mentioned, in the last few weeks, we've seen Brad Keselowski up there as well, not just Chris Busher. Andy, your follow-up? Um, nothing, nothing to really add to that. Okay. Um, I can't think of anything to add either. I just am excited to see them uh, uh, start to turn the corner, and I think uh, – uh, I think it's going to be exciting to see it continue and to see what they can do for the 2023 season. Jay, anything more you wanted to say? Yeah, the other interesting aspect, and in, in for those that have been longtime fans, um, understand with Jack Roush, I know he's been less hands-on in recent years, but he is one that uh, you saw. He would be up and down pit road uh, checking spark plugs um, with his little gauge. The, the changes in the car, and especially when we talk about the possibility of moving forward with electric cars, of how much that took from his knowledge base that he then has to um, adapt to, you know, as an owner, as maybe be less hands-on and get the right people in the right places. And, and one of the things we talk about regularly here on the show at Fan for Racing is driver talent. Uh, you take a driver that maybe not be winning races, in the right position with the right people. And I think that is one that people seeing the talent in Chris Busher uh, and Roush brought him back. Uh, you know, he was a Roush Fenway driver, went over to Chevrolet with um, JTG Daughtery, but Roush still owned the contract and brought him back. I mean, there's a reason for that. And we're seeing the fruits of that now and why, what they see in getting the right key personnel. And, and sometimes it is, you know, amazing – tough to figure out between, say, a crew chief and a driver, just that language and partnership that they need to make um, in order to be successful. You can put two of the best together and it not work for some reason or another. So it's finding those little key elements that that really make it work in an entire team and organization. And I think that's maybe where Brad is coming in and finding some of those little things that maybe from the inside they weren't seeing him coming in as an outsider saying, hey, how about we try this or let's look at this, that they maybe just didn't see from the inside, looking from the inside. 
So I, I think that's always a case of a bre- breath of fresh air, as they call it. Uh, we're going to go with cliches tonight, um, a fresh perspective <laughs> that Brad brings. Absolutely. Okay, Andy, what's our next topic? Well, let's take a look here. Um, let's see. How about uh, Tony Stewart will run his first NHRA event, I believe, that's this coming weekend. Okay, Jay. And I was this one. I was just doing some reading on it, but I put that up uh, here just before uh, before I came on the show. Uh, he's been testing and spending a lot of time with NHRA, um, so it's not like he's. Uh, I'm trying to think how somebody put it in their tweet of uh, jumping in blind. Um, it is his first official race. My concern here. I mean, I'm happy for Tony Stewart. He's enjoying himself, and that's where his focus is. But I'm a NASCAR fan, and we've talked about it. Where does his focus then lack maybe on the NASCAR side um, with some of the issues that Stuart Haas Racing has had, their driver lineup and things that are going to happen there in the future, and some discussion about drivers and who they want in the car and who's going to get a spot. Um, that maybe he is doing too much. Uh, we've talked about it. He runs a series. He runs a track. He's running the SRX now. He's doing his own drag racing thing. He's part owner in the NASCAR. You know, we uh, we talk about some of the things that we have a tough time doing one thing, <laughs> you know, and he's doing like 20. Um, yeah. But that some people thrive on that, and he certainly is successful. You can't take that from him. Uh, I'm just a little concerned about his the focus on the cup side of it. But there again, we've got good key personnel. I know we got Zipidelli. His crew chief, he has faith in they have at Stuart Haas Racing. So uh, I'm not losing complete hope. But I think maybe a little more attention needs to be made on the NASCAR side. But I certainly will. Again, not necessarily a big drag racing fan. We'll be keeping an eye on it. Uh, and that's the kind of figure Tony Stewart is. I mean, he brings attention, just like Jimmy Johnson. If he's going to go run IndyCar or um, Le Mans, it's going to bring attention. So that's a good thing. And and like I said, I'm happy he's enjoying himself. Yeah, we've talked about it all season long, how we like the uh, crossover situations where uh, IndyCar fans uh, end up coming to NASCAR if there's an IndyCar driver racing and vice versa if a NASCAR driver is driving an IndyCar or now in uh, NHRA. Uh, it's going to bring fans to that sport. And I think it's a good thing uh, for the health of, of racing. Uh, for that matter. Um, But I have to agree with some of what you're saying about uh, I wish Tony would have more attention to what's happening on the NASCAR side of things. I know he's a little bit ticked with NASCAR. He's been hit pretty hard and heavy with some uh, penalties here of recent. Uh, And uh, I guess I can appreciate why he'd be upset by that. But at the same time, uh, I think his presence, uh, uh, it might be an indication that his presence is uh, leaves something to be desired. I have full faith and confidence in Greg Zipidelli. I think he's, he's uh, uh, you know, great in his position. I don't think there's any uh, lack of um, uh, thought about his talent and his abilities. Uh, but there's, it, there's a lot of difference when you're talking about somebody in his position as opposed to the team owner. And when the team owner walks into the room, there's definitely a different, uh, a, a 
different perspective from everybody, and I think that's what might be missing there. Uh, I think Gene Hawes has been taking on maybe a little bit more of that role, but keep in mind he's involved with other uh, uh, venues as well, uh, including F1. So uh, I wish that both of those guys could be uh, at the racetrack with the Cup Series a little bit more, but it, at the same time, I'm very happy to see Tony Stewart um, doing what he enjoys doing. Uh, what scares me is if he gets really fed up with NASCAR, uh, that he might pull out at some point. I hope that that doesn't happen. I hope that he can put all of this more recent uh, penalty stuff kind of behind him and move forward from there as it relates to NASCAR. Uh, because he's got some talented drivers. Uh, I just think they need to see their team owner at the track a little bit more. But I wish him all the success. I think it's going to be fun to see Tony Stewart race uh, in that uh, top fuel dragster, and uh, we'll see what happens. He is going to bring new eyes to the sport. Andy, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm excited for his debut. I I think when you look at his background as a driver, um, there isn't really anything that he hasn't sat in that he hasn't been successful in, uh, whether it be open wheel sprint cars or NASCAR. Um, so it's, it's exciting to see him, you know, go out and have some fun and, and run a drag, a drag car, uh, this week. Um, you know, and, and who knows, you know, how well he'll do, but I think, you know, the point is he's doing it for fun and you know it's just another another type of race car to add to his very robust resume of his his long and storied driving career so um certainly happy to see that i think it's going to be pretty cool um you know to see how he does but um yeah you know you guys both bring up some some really good points about um you know his his dedication to um the NASCAR certainly the frustration has been uh, has been evident um, you know in recent weeks especially when you consider the penalties that that the Stuart Haas racing team has has generated and and I also you know also have to agree that you know eventually you know if the frustration continues you know do we see him remain in the sport long term or not that remains to be seen you know and Obviously, you know, anytime an owner is at the racetrack and, and is there to support, you know, their personnel and drivers, you know, it, it does a lot for a team's morale. And we've seen Tony at the track some this year along with Gene. So um, I don't want to go out there and say that they're totally absentee owners. I don't think that at all. But, you know, you know, in recent weeks, I think after the Custer penalty, you know, he pretty much, Tony did, came out and said that if he didn't have to be at the track at all, he wouldn't, you know, due to his frustration with NASCAR. And that's, you know, that could be problematic down the road, you know, when when he's not around that much. So, um, but I, I, I think that overall, you know, he's done a lot for, you know, Stuart Haas Racing and that organization and, and is a decent owner, but... Um, I guess it just depends how fed up he gets with, with NASCAR in, in, you know, the coming years. But, um, and, and you're right, there's still things to be ironed out there. You know, I didn't know this until a week or two ago that the 41 car isn't, 
actually figured out for next year. So there's still some ownership stuff that, that has to be done there. And, you know, they've still got a car, you know, in the playoff battle, which, you know, it looks bleak for them at this point, but you know, that's still ongoing. So, you know, who knows, but um, yeah, all really good points from both of you on that for sure. Um, You know, and, but uh, I guess back to the topic at hand, you know, about him running, you know, in the NHRA, that's going to be fun to see. And, you know, pretty cool to add that to what's already a pretty awesome resume. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? Well, I know there were the, the comments made, and, and we know Tony Stewart, uh, if you know him, um, he expresses his frustration clearly, and I think he'll get over that. I don't see him stepping away from NASCAR completely. Uh, we saw this when he was a driver, when he first came in throughout his career at Joe Gibbs Racing, as well as when he moved over to his own team with, uh, with Stuart Haas Racing. Um, he is one that he, he, we talked about in the past couple of weeks of uh, sit-down meetings with Mike Helton. He had his uh, several of those himself. So, yeah, I understand right now he's frustrated. I, the ironic thing I find, Sharon, you mentioned it, of Gene Haas kind of maybe taking on more of the role, is that's kind of the role Gene Haas had when it was Haas racing. He had a cup team, but his interests were elsewhere. When Tony Stewart came over and it became ha- Stewart Haas racing, Tony kind of took that over, and now it seems like it's going back the other way. Tony has stepped away to do other things, um, and that's not his primary focus necessarily, whereas Gene Haas has uh, kind of co- come in and been more hands-on and involved. So uh, I found that kind of ironic. But long-term down the road, I don't see it. Uh, Tony Stewart walking away from NASCAR. Uh, you know, he's kind of like Denny Hamlin. He's there and invested with the team, but is also one that is very vocal about his frustrations. And right now, uh, hit a bad stretch and, yeah, definitely uh, not happy with the way things are within his own team, within the the direction of NASCAR, the way things happen. But I'm not too fearful of him completely walking away. I know that's crossed the mind, but I I just don't see it. it, it truly happening. Uh, you know, he just, he loves racing so much. I, like I said, that's why he's involved with sprint car series tracks, this SRX series, because he wants to give that opportunity to other drivers and see it be successful across the board from short track all the way up to the cup level. Okay. Well, I hope you're right. Uh, but I will just give an example uh, Tony Stewart was supposed to be the Grand Marshal out at Homestead, and he didn't show. He was a no-show. Uh, it was announced on Friday uh, that instead of Tony Stewart, Kip Moore, the country singer, uh, was going to be the Grand Marshal instead. Uh, and uh, it was pointed out that Tony Stewart uh, made headlines uh, and was very critical of NASCAR following the penalties given to his team uh, and he expressed that displeasure with some of the media. Uh, according to a spokesman for Stuart Haas Racing, when reached on Monday by Auto Week, uh, they said it was merely a scheduling issue that they needed to address. Tony voluntarily stepped down from the Grand Marshal position so that he would have time to engage with his partners associated with Stuart Haas Racing that were on site at Homestead. So yeah, that that <laughs> that makes me question it a little bit. Uh, that 
you know, a lot of people do feel kind of like um, that was part of the reason why uh, Tony Stewart didn't uh, be the was not the Grand Marshal is because of the displeasure that he's expressed with NASCAR most recently. Um, also, Stewart, I guess, wants to bring in Ryan Priest. You mentioned it earlier uh, that the 41 car is not yet decided. Gene Haas wants to keep Cole Custer in that car. So it is going to be a question of who's going to prevail there. Um, and then going back to the absenteeism, I'm not going to say Tony's totally absent. I know he's been at the track. He's been in the booth, and I think I read that he's supposed to be in the booth before the end of this year as well. So hopefully we'll see him in the booth either at Martinsville or at uh, Phoenix uh, because I did read that he was supposed to be back in the booth before the end of this season. Uh, So we'll see if that uh, ends up happening. Um, But uh, I I, am happy for him doing what he enjoys. Um, I I just hate to see uh, the sacrifice come uh, uh, at the expense of the NASCAR teams. Uh, Chase Briscoe is the only driver who is a playoff driver at this point from Stuart Haas Racing, and uh, uh, he's kind of in a very weak position right now. He's in a must-win situation going into Martinsville, so we'll see what happens. But uh, I think having Tony Stewart around would make a big deal of difference uh, for uh, Chase Briscoe uh, being in the playoffs. We'll have to see. You know, maybe he'll be able to do it without that. But uh, time always tells the rest of that story. Andy? Yeah, it's funny, you you know, the comments or the, uh, you know, the um, the press release by Stuart Haas Racing, you oh, know, saying what the re- – Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I apologize. Uh, we are, uh, at that time of the night, we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, I just want to give you an alert that – Uh, even though we're going off the air and you'll hear us go off still talking, we are going to continue recording the rest of that conversation and it will be available as part of our podcast. What's going to happen is when we're done talking here tonight, uh, I will go out on Twitter, Fan for Racing site is my handle there. I'll also go out on our Facebook page, Fan for Racing blog and radio, and I will let you know that, that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of our conversation. Again, didn't want to kept, let anybody be caught off guard and not know what to do to hear the rest of our conversation. So watch for that uh, tweet and that post on Facebook uh, so that you'll know when the rest of the conversation is available to you. Uh, so, Andy, go ahead and finish your thought there. I apologize. No, that's fine. Um, no, I, I think that, you know, after reading the uh, the presser there, you know, about why Tony didn't do the the Grand Marshal thing, it kind of made me chuckle a bit because, you know, if you're at the track entertaining sponsors and partners, um, <laughs> saying, gentlemen, start your engines doesn't really take that long. So I quite Correct. honestly didn't really buy, I didn't really buy that. I kind of chuckled because in my mind, 
I think he didn't do it because of his frustration with, with the sanctioning body right now. Uh, maybe they'll get past it and, and mend some fences. And, and I can get the frustration, you know, obviously hit pretty hard with penalties. And I guess only only those that are internal to the team know how just those penalties are or not. Uh, but you can see the frustration, whether you know, whether you're guilty or not, it still stings to to get hit with penalties like that. So I, I get it. I understand the frustration, but certainly there's, I think there's more to the story than, than being, than what's being let on right now for sure. So um, interesting, you know, to see really, I guess how the season ends for them and, and what happens next year, but, you know, certainly some uh, ill feelings, if you will, um, you know, from the ownership side of SHR right now. Okay, we'll move on to our next hot topic, and Jay, you get to uh, touch on that. All right, let's see. Uh, see if we can go on one more positive one here, as I know we got. I put up just put up a different one that uh, we covered that one. Oh, I duplicated. Okay, I'm not finding it. So. Mike had it up already. I guess I, I, I put it up as a separate one, but um, Bob Pockers tweeted that NASCAR will review the end of the truck race, but doesn't anticipate anything. And then um, I had added in a couple other tweets. Um, it has to do with Matt Craft and Thor, uh, Thor Sport Racing. And then I added uh, on the one I had of a, a tweet about the history of teammates there as far as how they don't race well together anyway, but there appeared that there might be some collusion. Nothing was said on the radio. There was no communication. So what are your thoughts? And, and what are we looking at as far as how NASCAR is looking at all these things now? So much closer, if you will. Yes, they are. Uh, Andy, your thoughts? Uh, which, I'm sorry, I, I might have missed it. Which topic was this? We're talking about uh, NASCAR is going to review Crafton's actions during the truck race. Uh, Jay put up a link also about the Thor, Thor Sport teammate history, which isn't always been, uh, they don't always work well together. And then Mike had put up uh, the fact that NASCAR was going to review the end of the truck race, uh, but doesn't anticipate anything. Uh, in his opinion, uh, Bob Pockris giving someone room or not making them move to pass isn't out of line because no guarantees that they won't wreck. Um, but anyway, Mike's thoughts were if they didn't penalize, don't pass them Jones. I can't imagine they'll do anything here. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, what was interesting was, you know, having watched the race live, Mike and I even talked about it in the, um, in the race chat there. Um, I kind of looked up and noticed that, you know, Rhodes, Eckes, and, and Crafton were all nose-to-tail racing each other. And so I actually, from a curiosity standpoint, switched over to Crafton's channel, um, you know, just to see what he would do because he wasn't a playoff driver. You know, Eckes needed to get all he could get because he was he's still a playoff driver up until the checkered flag. So obviously, you know, the, the further ahead they position themselves, maybe a caution comes out, maybe they get a late race restart in their favor, maybe they win the race. So I, I really didn't um I, I really felt like the ninety eight of Eckes probably was 
was racing as hard as he could. But I was I was curious about the 88 because he wasn't on a playoff truck. So I did I actually switched over to their scanner, and there was not one word about teammates, not one word about don't do this, don't do that. It was really the spotter saying, you know, however many laps left, get all you can get. Um, I didn't really notice any shenanigans or anything strange going on there. So if there's more to that story, I certainly don't know what it is or haven't seen or heard anything about it. Um, You know, it it makes me kind of laugh a little bit that, you know, every time, you know, now it's like now every time teammates race against each other or race around each other in the playoffs, they're automatically going to be suspect and, yeah, I'm sure there's there's interesting games out there. I'll I'll use an example that I heard in the Xfinity race. Um, I happened to be listening to Daniel Hembrick's team in the closing laps. He was catching very quickly AJ Allmendinger, and the spotter keyed up and said, "One to go. Be smart. Be smart. Be smart." And the driver in <laughs> Daniel Hembrick kind of caught on and said, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm giving it all I can give." So I heard that, and that to me seemed suspect because you know he was in a position to possibly pass AJ Allmendinger and take a, a valuable point away because remember AJ's not locked into Phoenix yet so every point matters to me that seemed more suspect than anything Thorsport did but the point is I don't really have a problem with it per se because we know that teammates and organizations are going to help each other they're going to do what it takes to help out their own teammates in playoff cars I still don't really think what Cole did at the Roval was horrific by any means. He slowed down and allowed his teammate to get by him. His teammate was going to get by him anyway. Um, I would have to really look at the data, you know, and determine myself if anything was, was done poorly there. And honestly, it was crew chief wording on a scannable radio that really gave that one away. You know, I mean, slowing down wasn't really the issue. It was the fact that, you know, his crew chief told him he had a flat tire when it was, it's pretty much impossible to determine if you have a flat tire unless you're driving the car. So to me, that was the real issue was, you know, team orders that really weren't feasible. And I think that's why NASCAR had such an issue with it. But I guess the point is teams teams and drivers are going to help their teammates. It, it's always going to be a thing. And it is what it is, you know, and I don't think we're going to change it. I think that in the future – teams will get smarter about it and they'll be discreet and they'll do it. It'll do it in ways that won't be necessarily known to you and me, the race fan or NASCAR, but it's going to continue. And I, I really think this weekend at Martinsville is going to be very interesting uh, from that (laughs) standpoint, because it's yet another cutoff race. It's a short track. It's going to be pretty wild, you know, and I, I I hope that manipulation isn't the storyline, but I think it will be in one of the series. So we'll see what happens, but I, I guess specifically to Thor sport, since this is the topic at hand here, I, I was listening to the 88 team and there, there was nothing there. So I, whether, whether they were given it, you know, a hundred percent or not, I, I don't really know. I'd, I'd have to look at, you know, data, I guess, to figure that out. But I certainly didn't hear or suspect anything you know i think coincidence that they were racing against each other close late in the race like that um you know i i don't know i think it's one of those topics that it it, 
we gotta we gotta stop looking too deeply into it every week or we'll go crazy. So, um, <laughs> but I I I don't want race manipulation to be a, a big topic. Unfortunately, it has become a topic. But I think every time, you know, teammates are racing around each other, we I don't I don't think it's fair to assume that it's always foul play. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's interesting that you were listening to the radio because I happened to be on the road and was listening to it on the on the on the uh, Sirius XM radio, and uh, they certainly did notice uh, because I remember them saying, uh, you know, how tight it was between Ben Rhodes and Stuart Friesen, and um, uh, that Christian Eckes was fighting for his. Uh, his place in the playoffs as well. He was kind of behind the eight ball. And they said Matt Crafton was coming up fast, and then all of a sudden he dropped back two or three positions. And they questioned that right away, uh, that, uh, you know, he could be helping his teammates. Uh, But I'm glad to hear there wasn't anything on the radio, because that was my first thought, is I wonder if anything was said on the radio. Uh, it sounds like uh, Matt Crafting did that entirely on his own when he realized he was around his teammates um, and everything. He didn't ask about his teammates or anything because I kind of envisioned him asking over the radio and them telling him kind of what the situation was. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> and then in the end, Ben Rhodes did make it in by just that one point. He ended up in sixth place. Stuart Friesen, I think, was third place, uh, but it wasn't enough to keep him on the top side of that. That what made the difference, the one-point difference, was actually the stage win that uh, Ben Rhodes had earlier in the race. And that that was the one point uh, that put him in front of Stuart Friesen. So it, it was an interesting scenario. I do know that they noticed it on the radio. <clears throat> Jay, did you watch it on TV by any chance? I'm curious what they were saying on TV. Yeah, I, w- I watched the uh, the television broadcast, and again, they pointed it out. Um, and then post-race, Stuart Friesen made the comment about, you know, they weren't going to race for the championship because they don't have teammates helping them out. I, that was one of those. It was the heat of the moment out of frustration. Um, obviously, where he was running – uh, somebody feeding him information. Um, but this is one of those, and, and I said this, when NASCAR started looking into coal Custers, which, again, is questionable. I think that review uh, appeals panel is going to be held Thursday. We'll see what comes of that. But there, i got so many things in my head. Let me get them straight. Um, it, it certainly could appear so. You could make something out of it. However, from what I saw, as Ben or as Matt Crafton was coming up, Ben Rhodes was having a problem with his truck getting it under control and straightened back out. And I think Crafton was aware of that. A truck there next to him as he got closer was squirrely. Now, do you want to be alongside a driver that's squirrely? And I think personally, in two of the races I've been to here personally lately, race leader going around lap cars, didn't want to get alongside of a car ended up in third because he wouldn't go around the lap car. Some other cars did. He knew that driver. They have a history or whatever. Um, didn't want to get alongside of him for whatever reason. It cost him the victory. 
that has nothing to do with teammates. It has to do with preserving your own car and where you think you're going to finish. So Matt Crafton coming up, seeing a driver, you know, all over the place, yeah, might check up. Once it, Ben Rhodes got settled back down, he drove away from Crafton. I mean, that's what I look at is once he got his truck uh, settled down and back under his control, I, I think I don't know if he bounced off the wall, but he was having some issues. He drove away from Crafton. So that tells me that it was a matter of he just he had to get his truck under him. He had better speed when it came down to it. Um, and then you look at the, the history of, and I, I just thought this was cute that Bob Pockers had added this. When you talk about Thor Sport Racing, they have had some very unique team confrontations and battles throughout a race. They are not a team organization. I mean, they are, but they're not. Uh, they are each one out there for themselves, and that has been well documented and proven throughout several years of racing, no matter who the drivers are. So I think Thor Sport is one that says that, hey, your team is, is we're an organization, but your team, you're to race for your team. Um, I, I kind of, based on what Mike said of, you know, NASCAR didn't penalize for the Denny Hamlin, Eric Jones, which we've highlighted. I don't want to see NASCAR try and right now make some calls to try and prove that they are being that they know they missed that one. That's the only thing that concerns me. I'm okay with them reviewing it. I think like Bob Pocker said, I don't think we're going to see anything come of it. There was no admission, no radio transmissions, no, I don't know about the data. Again, But there too, uh, even if you show data that shows craft and checked up, there's a reason for it. The car in front of the truck in front of them was all over the track. Where am I going to go? <laughs> so I hope nothing comes out of it because I don't think there was anything necessarily there. But I'm also like Andy. I don't want to see it become the storyline every week or somebody trying to point the finger every time a teammate gets around somebody. Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, um, Chair, just to follow up on, you, you were asking about the Crafton audio. I, I might have missed parts of it, but I I only listened to probably the last three or four laps, and there was just spotter talking, and that was pretty much it. So, um I didn't really notice anything there, whether there was more to it or not. I, I personally don't know, but, um, you know, I, I kind of wouldn't blame Matt for helping a teammate out. You know, he's out of the playoffs. His teammate, Ben Rhodes has a chance to advance. I mean, I'd like to think that the whole point of having teammates is you race hard against each other when you can, but if there's a chance to help somebody out, you know, I think it's for the betterment of the organization to have as many you know teams as possible continue to try to go win a championship, uh, you know it helps from a business standpoint from from the thought process that you know the more trucks I have competing for a championship, the better chance I have to win the championship. And if my team does win the championship, that attracts more sponsors and more revenue to help the team sustain itself long term from a business standpoint. So. I don't know. I mean, I if Matt really did lift and let his teammates race it out there between the 98 and 99, I, I really don't know that I'd have a problem with that. You know, I I really think that every team would do the same thing. And I think that, you know, we certainly have seen other examples of, of teams helping other teammates. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's a slippery slope because, you know, to reiterate something I said earlier, 
you know, if, if we if every single time in a playoff battle we see teammates race each other and one just happens to let the other one go by or maybe, you know, they get past fair and square, you know, to have people cry foul all the time is kind of ridiculous. So I, I certainly yeah. hope that this is a theme that we, we trend away from. Yeah, it is interesting. I think I I do think that um uh at one point they were saying there was a tie between uh Stuart Friesen and Ben Rhodes, but that Ben Rhodes would have the tiebreaker because of that stage win. Um and you know, his he, he had the advantage, I guess, in that particular case. So even if it was tied, he knew that he had the tiebreaker. Now, the other point here is I'm sure Ben Rhodes knew, uh, and his team was probably keeping him abreast about every spot he needed to have in order to uh, make it into that final four as well. So uh, I, I was reading here on the post by Bob Pockris, that teammates aren't known, outdoor sport teammates aren't known for necessarily working together. Somebody said they listened to the radio and heard a code word. Somebody asked him what the code word was, and he said the code word is tiebreaker. Um, so he had the tiebreak. Uh, to me, that was just a, uh, you know, just a reminder you're at that point, you have, there's a tie, and you've got the tiebreaker advantage so i don't know that that was necessarily a code word uh i think that was just information for for uh, uh, uh the team and, and i don't know why they would say tiebreaker on um matt crafton's radio i could hear them saying that i could see them saying that on ben rhodes because ben rhodes team is the team that uh, had that tiebreaker advantage. But anyway, I I didn't see anything wrong with what happened. I was just curious as to if anybody heard what was happening on the radio or if anybody saw what was happening on the TV and if they had mentioned it there. I I only know what I heard on the radio. But uh, that one point, it just goes to show again how important one point can be, and in this case, case it was the difference between a stage win and not having that stage win. So it's it's really a big deal uh, to get those stage wins in every point you can along the way. Jay, my my thing is for the fans that, that are pointing at this and and trying to drive it, and in my opinion, that's where it's really coming from. Um, as Andy pointed out, if if you got a four car team, and we mentioned uh, of Hendrick Motorsports of not turning a profit, okay, if you have four teams, three, two, three, four battling for the championship, that helps the organization. So yeah, you're going to. My my concern is if you're going to point that finger, then where do you draw the line when you talk about Super Speedway? Uh, Ford's lining up with another Ford and not with the Chevy. Okay, is that giving 100% then because you're choosing a, a manufactured teammate? Are you going to penalize the organization of Ford or Toyota, whichever it be? You, you can't do that. I mean, I, I want NASCAR to be aware of it, and if they do feel there was some blatant, blatant manipulation, uh, you know, a team spinning out uh, in the case of what Michael Waltrip Racing was accused of doing, 
I don't know about the Cole Custer deal. I mean, that one's a, kind of a, a more questionable. Um, but when you get you get orders over over radio of, hey, do not pass this teammate, that's the one. And I understand maybe NASCAR missed it or didn't understand it at the time, whatever. But I don't want to see them, like I said, of try and make up for it. You know, and I think of in football of sometimes it seems like if the referees miss a call or in favor of one team, they'll make one up on the next play against the team to try and even it out. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see them try and make something there just to say, hey, we did make a call, uh, you know, here. Um, so that's what I don't want to see with this Thor Sport uh, deal that they're going to say, okay, we're, we're, we're all over it now. We're going to make a call here. Um, when it's not really there, they're just trying to make the point that they are um, doing about it. Um, if it is blatant, like we've said, uh, Formula One, where that's what the teams do, I don't want to see it go that route because I don't want there to be a four-car organization where it's your job is to win the championship, you three are to block and make sure he wins the championship. I don't think that's a true sportsmanship then. I don't want to see that. However, like Andy said, if you got a driver that's not in the championship, doesn't have a chance of necessarily winning the race, you know, helping out a teammate, I mean, that's just smart business. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, we're kind of coming up. Uh, I don't know if we can get a quick one in. Andy, did you have any more uh, topics you want to make sure we talked about? I don't, uh, unless both of you do. Okay. Uh, Jay? Well, since Mike's not here, I won't bring that one up. I know he had some comments here, and you had shared the one with uh, some tire controversy, <laughs> I guess, um, with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Maybe we'll save that for Thursday if Mike's here to represent himself, because I don't even know that I could represent him, because I don't understand where he's coming from, so... We'll save that one for Thursday. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, you saw I kind of pushed back a little bit there. But uh, I was really kind of um, trying to make a point with the pushback. But anyway, uh, we'll leave that for Thursday. Um, so let's go ahead and do our roundtable. Andy, we'll start with you. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess I look forward to Thursday because um, – I don't really understand enough about tires to really know what's going on there anyway. So we'll, I'll have to do some research and we'll, we'll I'll prepare some kind of a statement for that one. But um, yeah, CB 14 fan on Twitter and uh, good to be on tonight as always. And uh, I'm hopeful that uh, Thursday will work out as well. Oh, good deal. Jay. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ eight on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I can tell you this throughout the week. I I won't be uh, videoing any tire testing myself. I'm kind of like Andy. I, it's beyond me. Um, so I'm not going to go out and try and prove anything uh, with a tire test. But uh, it will be an interesting uh, conversation when it comes to Thursday, and I look forward to it, as well as our full preview of Martinsville, which is going to be a hectic weekend. Yeah, oh, Jay, by the way, um, by the way, um, not to toot, not to toot my own horn here, but I believe the truck series is wrapped up. Correct? Oh yes. <laughs> uh, if to... if you recall, I said Andy had to get a couple of points, and it was pretty much all but locked up. 
by taking Ty Majeski, who got his second win. Uh, the first one is actually kind of what put Andy in the position. Uh, he not only beat us, he thumped us there in the truck series, myself especially. I'm way down at the bottom, but, yes, he has an insurmountable lead. It is official. Andy is our fantasy group for the truck series champion. Um, by a good margin, we'll say that. But keep your eye on well, Xfinity. He's saying, he's saying that because he knows he's going to lose the Xfinity in the cup where he's battling, <laughs> and he's going to come out behind I that belt. So he um, wants to get this truck one in. <laughs> I don't actually know. I don't even know where I'm at points-wise in the other two series. Um, I think Cup, I'm pretty far down. Xfinity, I might still be in it. I'm not sure. But as a reminder, um, there's really no skill involved. It's all just it's all just luck, and it's always just kind of fun to to see where it shakes out. So at least if I fail miserably in the other two, at least at least I can say I did something good in one of them. So well, <laughs> it's congratulations. Always fun to try to, yeah, you know, and it's always fun to just try to guess right and see how it shakes out, you know. So uh, at least, uh, at least, at least the truck series went good, and um, I know that um, it was fun picking Majeski for at least a couple of these races because zero percent chance I'll get him for Phoenix, but but that's okay, you know. I think more importantly, it's cool to see a guy like that um, who's had a bit of a, a rough go of it the last few years have success and run well. He seems like a really good kid, and uh, fun to fun to see those guys win some races. Yes, indeed. Uh, especially a Midwesterner. I always love seeing the Midwestern Sharon, guys do well. <laughs> yeah, Sharon. Uh, before before you do your full one, I know we got a couple minutes. Can I give a full update sure. here? Sure. Sure. Uh, with that, Andy could take the week off in the Truck Series again. He's got 164 points now. Uh, really put up. A, 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 oh, I can't pull the whole thing up. Throughout the playoffs, I think he's finished third out of third or better in all of his picks throughout the playoffs. Uh, the, I know yeah. there's some with the way we rotate. Yes, you get last pick, but there's a little bit of a strategy to it. Um, so he's sitting at 164. Brian is second at 120. Mike 118. Tommy 117. Owen 114. Sam 111. Sharon 108 and James and I aren't even over 100. We we got our own battle here. We're at I'm at 88. He's at 91. So I can still catch him. How about that? Um, How about it? So yeah, Andy, you can take the week off. Now on the Xfinity side, you actually have the points lead, Andy, at 174. But Brian's at 172. I moved up to third at 162 within 12. Mike at 150. Sam at 146, James 139, Owen 138. Right in there is about where that's the cut line of not even going to be able to make it. Uh, I didn't do the full math, but Sharon at 133. That, that I think me. you're out of. Yeah, I think <laughs> you're out of that one. Um, let's see, 36 points over two races. Yeah, that'd be 69. Yeah, you're Sharon. You're officially out. Sorry. And then Tommy at 116. Um, but the top of that one's uh, really, really close. Then on the cup side, uh, Andy, you did mention it. You're at the bottom, but your good chunk in trucks keeps you in, in the overall. Uh, Mike leads at 208. Tommy's at 204. Sharon and I are at 198. James at 193. Brian at 190. Sam at 189. So the only two there, Owen at 179, it'd be really tight. Andy, I think, yeah, Andy's uh, out of it at 164. Um, so that one, we got seven that could still in the final two races. 
And then the overall. Uh, Andy, this again, your your big truck series win got you at 502. Brian's at 482. Mike, 476. I'm at 448. Sam, 446. Sharon, 439. Tommy, 437. Owen at 431. And James, 423. And on the overall, I think everybody's still eligible with 90 points available, but... James Owen, Tommy, and maybe Sharon are getting really close. Uh, we'll know more after the two races this weekend. Me and Sam at even 448, 446 are probably in a desperation mode, but it'll be between Andy, Bryan, and Mike as the overall. And truthfully, right. you know, Martinsville, Martinsville is, is such an unpredictable race that it, it could swing, so definitely, um, definitely a long way to go yet for that. So um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yes, indeed. In Martinsville, you know, (laughs) a lot can happen at Martinsville. And people always seem to leave there with their feelings hurt. So I expect that to happen this weekend as well. Most certainly. To to finish up uh, our roundtable here, I am Fan for Racing Psych on Twitter, Fan for Racing Blog and Radio everywhere else, including our FanForRacing.com website where we have our uh, uh, radio player that fans can listen to the live broadcast or our podcast. And uh, uh, just to real quick give you guys a, a, a travel story, uh, when we were traveling in Utah, go on our way out to uh, uh Las Vegas this last week, I had a little bit of an incident. We got caught up in um, a situation where a driver had stolen a car, was in a chase uh, for quite a distance in Utah. And what happened is I saw in my rearview mirror these the police lights, and I saw this car coming up real fast, and I thought, I need to pull over. But when I got ready to pull over, there were all these police cars on the side of the road, and I see this black thing being pulled across the highway, and I'm like, what is that? And I happened to run over it. It was a um, spike strip, and I thought, oh, my God, we've got four flat tires. And so I pulled over so we could check the tires. It ended up being one flat tire. And it turns out that the car that was coming up on me, being chased by the policeman, there were about 15 or 20 other police cars behind that one. And this guy had stolen a car, and was they were on a police chase. And uh, we got kind of got caught up in it. I guess there was some confusion over which side of the highway they were supposed to have a spike strip, and it happened to be on our side instead of on the side where the car thief was. So... <laughs> Uh, by courtesy of the Utah State Police, we got a fresh tire. Uh, they bought us a brand-new tire and changed it for us and everything else. Uh, but later on, I guess, this, they kept us updated on where the guy was, and they finally barricaded him in. Uh, if you look it up, you can read the story online. It's quite a little story, um, but it's kind of weird that we kind of got caught up in the middle of it. And I guess we weren't the only car that got caught up in the middle of it. Um, there was another car that was accidentally spiked with being on the wrong side of the highway. Uh, so Utah State Police were a little busy changing tires and buying new tires that day. 
That's amazing. I want to know if, if it's the video, uh, what do they call it, famous police chases, if we get to see Sharon <laughs> on video. <laughs> it, what, isn't that the most bizarre thing? You, you, you hear about those things happening all the time. I've never been in the middle of it. Well, maybe we'll I can say that. Yeah, well, that um, would be one you're right. You hear about, but not be involved in. That's a little. Uh, I'm glad to glad to hear they took care of you, Sharon. Though that's that's great <laughs> great to hear. We'll see it on the uh, world's greatest police chases in like five years from now or something like that. So, <laughs> well, in the article that I read online, uh, they don't mention us at all or the other car that was accidentally spiked. But uh, they do talk about uh, the chase uh, of this guy, and it went on for he was. They said he was going 115 when he passed us, so um, <laughs> he just happened to have a car that looked very much like that car. So it wasn't the same car, but it looked a lot like it was the same. So just a little mix-up. We had our own little race going on. Anyway, I thought I'd share that story with you guys. And with that, we'll say thanks to everybody for tuning in and listening. Uh, also, uh, thank you to you guys for being here. It's always fun having our conversations about NASCAR, ARCA racing, and short track racing and our hot topics. And um, uh, we'll look forward to talking again on Thursday night when we do our preview show of the races that will be taking place out at Martinsville this coming weekend. So uh, just two races with the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. Uh, So uh, that should be a lot of fun. With that, I guess we're ready to call it a night, guys. Have a good night. Good night. Be safe. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Good night, everybody.